Welcome into the Blazers Uprise post-game show. Here are your hosts, Tori Jones and Eric Brandt. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Blazers Uprise post-game show. Hopefully, everybody's having a good night. I assume you are. The Portland Trail Blazers get a 111-92 victory over the Los Angeles Clippers. They get revenge after getting blown out by them only a couple of games ago. There's a lot of good things to talk about from this game. A lot of good performances uh, on the defensive end, in my opinion. Damian Lillard has a good shooting night. The refs are on something this entire game. We'll have to talk about that. And uh, overall, this was the Blazers' third impressive victory over a solid Western Conference team in the past four games. So they moved to 3-2 and two on the season. Uh, the Clippers end up falling to, I believe, 1-4. and four. Eric, what were some of your thoughts on the defense today was it here's here's my question for you was it the Blazers being able to play physical defense around the rims seemingly like the Los Angeles Clippers were able to do I felt like both teams got away with some fouls do you think that was what was responsible for the Blazers good defensive outing or was it more just the defense continuing what they've done in the previous Phoenix game and the second half of the Memphis game Here's what I think it is, and uh, I wish uh, Luxury Tax, um, aka JJ Lafont, used uh, hashtag Blazers Uprise in this tweet because I would have loved to include it in this, but I want to read this off right now. Um, so uh, he says, I hate when people say they're missing open shots. Last year, those same shots were going in. The reason those open shots are missing is because we spent the whole game breaking the rhythm through traps and physical defense. People underestimate how much that affects open shots. And that's something that you and I stressed after several games last year. What happens when you let a team get open shots from the beginning of the game and just get comfortable and, you know, they're, all their players are feeling it. And it happened to us in the Clipper game the first time, you know, uh, the Kennard comes in, gets going, and we never really do anything to stop him, and he just keep, continues to keep hitting hitting shots. So um, this is why you play physical defense. This is why you put pressure on the ball handler out of the pick and roll. This is why you mix in. I thought uh, they had just one random time where they double-team uh, Paul George in the um, on the baseline in the second half, and just stuff like that, random things like that. Uh, it can throw a team off the rhythm and then they don't know what to expect or where you're going to be on defense and it becomes less predictable and you you get people to rush shots that they wouldn't rush um, in previous years against us and things like that. So I absolutely think it is a byproduct of our new defense why teams are seemingly missing open shots that we <laughs> had to listen to our coach say all of last year that, oh, they just made shots. What are we supposed to do, you know? Um, so I absolutely think that is a correct assessment by um, Luxury Tax. And uh, I, I really uh, feel strongly that that's correct. Yeah, you can go back and re-watch last year's footage and actually just see the rhythm, mm -hmm. right? And rhythm isn't something that you should inherently be able to see, but you could see the comfort level and just how easily opposing offenses were getting what they want. Now, offenses have to work for their threes. 
The Clippers got some open threes, but it was either off a broken play or they had to really work for them. And when you have to really work for your open threes, you're going to miss more open threes than if you can get them easily. There's a comfort level with being able to get what you want easily against a weak defense compared to having to work for it against a stronger defense. And I think you're seeing that this year. Also, it's Portland leaving guys like Eric Bledsoe open. Mm-hmm. Right. There's certain I think guys, that was by design too. Yeah, yeah. And there's certain guys where you're okay with letting them shoot threes, even if they're somewhat open. Now I would like to try and reduce the open threes because the Blazers are going to go against uh teams that are really good three-point shooting teams and you can't get away with it as much with them but I I feel like Portland will sell out more to run good three-point shooting teams off the line if they're you know a Golden State Warriors team that seemingly has all shooters out there so that's the thing is you got to know your matchup the Blazers have done a good job especially last game with switching things up a little bit depending on who they're playing they played some zone last game against the memphis grizzlies i didn't see any zone tonight the grizzlies is a worse shooting team than the los angeles clippers and being able to shoot threes is how you take advantage of a zone so uh, i think you're seeing chauncey mix things up in the right way to keep offenses off balance to keep offenses from building a rhythm to formulate certain defensive strategies against certain opposing offensive players and sure you might give up some open threes but that's so much better than what we did last year, which was come out every game and just run drop scheme and Mm -hmm. nothing else. And offenses knew that they were going to face drop scheme and were able to face it throughout the entire game. It's conservative scheme. So they were able to get comfortable and build a rhythm against it. And it's a big reason why we were a bottom three defense the last two seasons. So uh, overall, the defense looks miles better this year. Eric, I mean, we ha- we've had three games. It's not even close. <laughs> we've had three games in the first five where I would say we had a better defensive game than any game last season. Mm-hmm. So it's, maybe, it's, yeah, go ahead. Maybe the first Laker game, uh, the, I think it was the third game of the season, we had a really good, I think we held them maybe under 100, like 98 or something. I might be wrong mm-hmm. on that, but um, that was the game that Derek Jones and Rocco had a good game on AD and LeBron. But that's really the only game I can remember off the top of my head that's maybe even comparable to what we've seen so far. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead. Well, I just want to say you you see why this defense is good. And then towards the beginning of the game, we saw why it doesn't work if you don't do the things you need to do. Because the first three possessions were great defense. I, I felt like Everyone was in the right position. Um, I I felt like we made the right rotations. Like everyone was um, pretty locked in. And then it just went all downhill from there. And we started, it started with, uh, I think we had three possessions in a row with turnovers. And then they hit six threes in a row. And on almost all of them, they were because of a blown rotation, a blown coverage, someone falling asleep someone just inexplicably not even putting their hands up on a shooter. Uh, just CJ just turned around and just stood there and watched, I forgot who it was, just shoot at three. Um, it's like, so it was all of them uh, outside of Nurk. So Rocco did it twice on Paul George. Um, CJ did it once. Uh, Dane did it once. Norm did it once. All had a bad either closeout or rotation or something like that. And we gave up open threes. And we were turning the ball over on the other end. And all of a sudden, we're down, I think, 11 at one point. 
And then all of a sudden we start taking care of the ball from that point forward in the game. And we we barely missed any rotations from that point forward. And all of a sudden, like they can't score at all. The rest of the half, they, they, they had like 20 points, um, like halfway through the first quarter and only scored 20 more points the next 18 minutes or so of the first half. And that's just suffocating defense. And I don't care if they miss shots or whatever, you're doing something right if you're doing this consistently. And now we've seen it. Um, Quick had a stat. I think it was the last four quarters at halftime of this game between the last two quarters of the Memphis game and the first two quarters of this one. That's four quarters, which is a full game. We had allowed 79 points to Memphis and LA Clippers. So that's not just luck. (laughs) That's not just because we're missing – or, or they're missing shots. Um, we're doing something correct on that end. But it also shows you when we're doing things wrong and we're getting out of focus and not making the right closeouts and stuff like that, it shows how bad it can be and it can go away from you really quickly. And that's why I'm encouraged because if you just eliminate those poor closeouts and have those possessions um, a majority of the game, you won't ever really have long periods where you – um give up a ton of points um unless i mean paul george players like that will hit incredible shots sometimes and there's nothing you can do about it he did a few times in this game but for the most part if you're playing that good a defense you're going to keep yourself in every game whether your offense is struggling or not and our offense did struggle at times in this game but we we kept uh a, a good enough lead through most of it to where when dame all of a sudden hits a few shots and 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 we see some of those threes goes go down. All of a sudden, we're blowing teams out, and it's it's just really awesome basketball. And it, 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 I feel like they're playing the right way, and I'm so stoked to see this this early in the season. Yeah, it's crazy how some people will see us play defense like this and just chalk it up to luck or circumstance or whatever. Right. It is never <laughs> that just doesn't make sense to me because you had people last year that let Stotts use the excuse they just made shots. But now when the other team is missing shots, it's, oh, they just missed shots. But had this happened last year, I, I don't think they'd be saying they just missed shots. You know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's never made sense to me how people just chalk up multiple good defensive outings like this uh, to luck, mm-hmm. to luck. It, it's not, it's not luck, man. You don't have you don't hold the Clippers to 92, the Grizzlies to 96 through luck. Otherwise, it would have happened last year. But no, this was the first stretch in which the Blazers held two opponents to under 100 points in a row since October in 2017. Shout out 503 for the fans for that stat that he tweeted. It's not luck. Sure, being able to be a little bit more physical helps defensively. That's why scoring is down this year. That's why percentages are down a little bit this year. But it's it's not a luck thing. It's not a luck thing. And it's like whenever teams get open threes against us so far this season, at least in the three games that we've won, it stands out because it's becoming a lot rarer. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, last, last season it was like almost every time or we'd be late closing out. But now this year it's like, oh, what happened? We gave up an open three. It's not, oh, there's another open three for them. And a lot of them, it's like, Bledsoe and Batum and those kind of guys and those are the guys you want if you're going to give up an open three it's at least make those guys beat you from three um, because they've been very inconsistent with three-point shot throughout their career so uh, I feel like it's not like 
I mean, John Morant is is a star player. Obviously, he's he's having a phenomenal year, but he's not that good of a three point shooter. So he gets some open threes, and that's kind of by design. So he happens to hit those uh, last game, but we still have great defense overall. And and yeah, it's this is a product of what can happen. But I I thought this wasn't possible with Damon CJ. I thought I thought it was impossible, and that's. It's funny because all those people who are clinging to the we're just getting lucky and they're just missing shots theories are all the same people who thought this was never possible uh, to see have this team as long as Damon CJ occupied the starting backcourt or we had a guard playing small forward and we were the smallest team ever. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> those things, um, those people have to cling to those because that's the only way for their analysis to be correct is if somehow this was just luck and our defense just falls to trash from here on out. Right. Yeah. Uh, because if we have a top 10 defense with, uh, with this team, like the excuses are starting to run out. So what, what, what are they going to say? Oh, it's because we have Stotts never had a Nance and a Zeller off the bench. Well, you didn't say anything about our bench. You were talking about our starting five, not being capable of having a good defense because mm-hmm. of the small forward being a guard and Damon CJ and the are incapable of, of being on a team with a good defense and all that. So I think after tonight, if, if not top 10, we're going to be dang close to top 10 in defense after five games. And if you would have told me that, heading into the season through five games, we'd be near the top 10. Uh, I would say like we're way, way ahead of where we should be at this point. Yeah. And I'm going to bring up the team stats now because I want to make a point. They shot 36% from three, Eric. Mm -hmm. They only shot 39% from the field. They were 19 for 45 inside the arc. Let me bring out the calculator here to get that percentage. 19 divided by 45. That's 42%. So that's what's crazy is some people chalk it up to, oh, the Clippers missed some open threes. Well, they shot the league average in terms of shooting the three ball, and I wouldn't say they got any more open threes than teams normally get against an average defense. The thing is, we're shutting them down on the interior. We also shut down the Grizzlies on the interior. The Grizzlies shot 34% from three against us. They only shot 36.5% from the field. They were 18 for 46 inside the arc. 18 for 46 is 39%. So we've done a good job with our interior defense, Mm -hmm. which is funny because we're playing more aggressive on the perimeter in terms of our pick and roll defense. We're not letting... Uh, we're not letting guys come off of ball screens and hit open threes, but we're not sacrificing on the interior. We've actually gotten better on the interior in terms of playing defense around the rim. So uh, it's crazy because you have the narrative that this team is incapable defensively because of how small they are, but we're doing a great job on the interior defending. And I think the play that highlights everything is, Norman Powell coming <laughs> over in the weak side, right? Six foot yeah. three, Norman Powell, too small. Coming over in the weak side and blocking Avisa Zubac's shot. Zubac is a seven foot center and Norman Powell rotated over and blocked his shot after we played aggressive pick and roll defense. He got his help side positioning and rotation was perfect and he denied a seven footer shot. And I've always said this, Norman Powell is... Not as undersized as people think. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody says he's six foot three, but he has a six foot eleven wingspan. His standing reach is eight foot five and a half. It's a little undersized for a small forward, but not as undersized as you would think a six three guy would be. And I've had people try and argue, no, height matters, standing reach doesn't matter. Well, standing reach mattered on that play when he blocked Zubach's shot. <laughs> he's not blocking his shot with the top of his head. He's blocking his shot with his arms reaching straight up. So uh, you can't just look at height to try and gauge how well sized this team is. So overall, it's a situation where you're seeing this team play good defense on the interior despite their lack of size. And it's because they're rotating well. It's because they're not letting guys get straight line drives. It's because they are playing good nuanced defense, playing the scheme correctly and not making a ton of mistakes on the interior. And that's what I always said is this team is capable of playing good defense. They just have to clean up a bunch of learnable mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. They were making mistakes that wasn't due to size, wasn't due to height. Nope. They were making a lot of defensive mistakes that were just nuanced things that they could fix with a new mm-hmm. coach. And I think you're seeing that right now under Chauncey. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, it's like we argue with people all year about that. It's not... It's not because of the size. There was very few instances last year when uh, we got beat because CJ was getting posted up and a bigger guard was just shooting over the top of him or mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, like th- that wasn't the reason our defense sucked. It was because of the schemes. And we we heard that all offseason. Oh, schemes don't matter. It's the, ro- it's the roster. It's the players. Like the... I'm just going to say this. I've said it before. You can scheme a good defense. You can want to play good defense and get a good defense that way. If your coach wants it and demands it and expects the players to do that. And you're already seeing signs of that being a hundred percent the case. And I think you could take a very average roster, even with a team like this, that, almost everyone agrees has basically no good point of attack defenders and be a dominant defensive team if you secure the rim protection and the paint and the paint and also uh like don't fall asleep on rotations on the backside be in the right positions and contest shots close out well and that's all you have to do it's that simple i mean i know i know it's it seems complicated, but they're doing all the right things. There was a possession in the first half where um, they got like a shot clock violation and we we hard hedged uh, a pick. Um, <laughs> everyone had to rotate and all five guys like played it as perfect as you could get. And like that's that doesn't take like a a Ben Simmons level defender or Rudy Gobert level defender to do that kind of stuff. It has to be your, your team concept and your schemes all locked in as a unit communicating and moving and going to the right spot. And this is something that it's looking this good after five games. That's something that will just get better and better and better as the season goes along as these guys some of them they're not even used to playing with each other yet. Mm-hmm. Cody Zeller like missed you know most of preseason after playing a few minutes and getting hurt, and uh, 
he's come in and played great. Um, like some of these guys, once they start to get the feel, because uh, honestly, a couple of the times where we did give up open shots after that stretch I was talking about in the um, first quarter were because like two guys rotated to the wrong, to the one of them should have had the rotation and the other one thought it was his rotation or whatever. And once you start cleaning that stuff up, man, our defense is going to be really, really good. And I just, I just love it. I, I, I wanted them to play this way for a long time. And I feel like they can get by with whatever offense they run on the other end, as long as they're playing this good of defense. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's not like they played a perfect defensive game by any means. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? That's the thing is just the Clippers missed some open threes and I'm not denying that they right. missed some of it because they were uncomfortable but it's not like a situation where oh we just got lucky we can't be that good of a defense we just got lucky they missed open threes no that they're getting open threes a lot of times either by design because it's an eric bledsoe or whoever or they're getting open threes because we're making mistakes so it's not going to be a situation where we're going to be able to consistently play perfect defense but i still think uh there's a decent amount of improvement left in this team defensively and i was saying to start this season there's going to be some growing pains they're further along than i thought they would be and they i still don't know where the floor of this team is because mm. obviously they had that game against the clippers which was terrible but the defense wasn't all that bad that game it was mostly the fact that they turned over the ball 30 times yeah. and just were obviously like completely mentally out of it so i'm hoping that their their floor is being risen obviously dame struggled to hit threes to start the season that changed tonight that will obviously raise the blazers floor if he's has his shot going again and i mean his shot keeps us in games in which we're not mentally locked in usually so that's the thing is sacramento kings first half under a new coach we struggled second half started pulling it together the clippers game hopefully was an aberration the suns we beat by 29 the mm. Clippers, we just beat by 19. The Grizzlies, we beat by 20. When did we ever blow out decent teams last year? We never yeah. did. Yeah, well, and two, like, when do we... It's been a long time since we've come out third quarters and just completely put the clamps on a team and and shut teams down with defense. And we've seen that now two games in a row. Um, I know the end of the fourth quarter kind of got away from us and we kind of blew the lead, but we still ended up winning the quarter by one point. Um, but that was when substitutions came back in. Um, but for the most part, our starters just completely dominated the third quarter. And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, they, they at one point only had like four points almost halfway through that quarter, I think. So um, just, just a great job out of halftime the last couple games of um i mean if we let him back in it tonight but we we almost blew the game wide open um there was a couple of questionable plays that if they would have went our way um that that they might not have come back or whatever um but <clears throat> it's just so nice to see a team come out of the locker room and not just get go down by a bunch right away or lose a big lead right away. Um, but this team is just, I mean, when you play defense like this, you can get away with stuff. And uh, I, I just, I like the adjustments they're making throughout the games from game to game. I like the specific game plan. Um, 
it was a little different tonight than last game. Um, and I like that it's different from game to game and we're not just seeing like one defensive scheme and it's like, oh, this is going to work against every team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let me thank some donos and then we'll talk about do – you, do you want to talk about the refs next or the offense? Because I do want to talk about the refs. Uh, we can talk about the refs. Yeah, yeah we'll will. talk about the refs after these donos. And uh, Ads has a $5 dono. Shout out to Ads. He says, Nas, maybe one of the most tenacious por- players Portland has had in a while. And I-, I agree with that. The dude brings a lot of heart, plays hard. And that's what Chauncey ch- challenged him with heading into the season. Uh, Nas is a guy who can make an impact just with his effort. He's had some key offensive boards so far this season. Uh, defensively still has some awareness mistakes to clean up, but the only way he can get the experience to uh, learn from those mistakes is by getting playing time, which he's getting this year, and you love to see it. Uh, it was nice to see him hit a couple threes today. We'll talk about him a little bit more when we get to his player card. Appreciate the $5 dono ads. Shout out Jackson Burgess, another five Australian dollar dono. He says, also, I wish Nas landed that left-hand poster in transition. That would have been nasty. And Eric, we're going to talk about the refs in a second. Speaking of the refs, yeah. (laughs) Speaking of the refs, my goodness. uh, Shout out Reese, $2 dono. Reese was at the game tonight. He's a big Isaiah Hartenstein fan, which is very ironic. I'm going to (laughs) start calling him Hackenstein. Hackenstein, yeah. That's my new nickname for him. But (laughs) Reese with the $2 dono says, love this team. Own that fraud, Hartenstein. Hackenstein. We see this. Yeah, Hackenstein. We see the sarcasm, Reese. Um, your guy did not look as good tonight. I know you only went to the game to see your guy Hackenstein, but uh, yeah, dude. How many? Fa- Let me look at this. <laughs> how many minutes and how many fouls did he have? He played in twenty minutes, had five fouls. It seemed like he played less. Like he every fou- minute, he fouled out the other game, right? Or had at least five fouls. Yeah, which is crazy because they're not even calling fouls. <laughs> in this game, they weren't even calling fouls, and the dude yeah. managed to have five. That's impressive. Dude, I, like, if I was out there, I don't know if I could get five fouls, even if I was trying, man. I'd have to play some football. In a, this game looked like a football game. We're, we're going to talk about the refs. I'm sorry to talk about them. Shout out near 012 with the $5 dono. He says, the same people who saying they just missed shots just refuse to admit that Neil actually had a good offseason. And... That's the thing is, heading into the season, a lot of the people that dislike Neil Olshay were downplaying the acquisitions of Larry Nance Jr. and Cody Zeller. And now it's become a thing where it's like, oh, well, the defense is better because uh, you got Cody Zeller and Larry Nance Jr. and that's it. Yeah, but last year we added Robert Covington, one of the the most respected defenders in the league, Mm -hmm. and Derek Jones, who was, um, by all analytics, a top five perimeter three-point uh, defender last year or the year before he came here <laughs> and yet those once that defense started suffering we heard all the excuses in the book about how those two don't have a defensive impact but all of a sudden getting Nance and and Zeller uh, I mean Nance played what 15 minutes in this game again which we'll have to get to again in this one but um, yeah I mean it's it, yeah it's crazy it's it's um, and then, yeah, I get in a battle, or I didn't get in a battle because uh, this person has me blocked because he <laughs> can't handle me uh, calling out all his BS. But um, there was a prominent Blazer Twitter person saying that we only have had defensive stretches that are um, competent when Zeller and Nance are in the game this year. And um, we had uh, some people just absolutely shut him down with that response. 
And uh, our starters are playing fantastic defense, whether anyone wants to admit it or not. Um, and that includes Damon CJ. They have been, um, I mean, at worst, I'd say they're neutral on defense this year. Um, but they're they're they have stepped it up on the defensive end. They are not making mistakes. Um, maybe that could have been a little bit of the reason why Dave's been struggling is because he has been expending as much effort on defense. But I'll take the Dame games where he scores 25 and we get a blowout win versus uh, uh, him having to score 40 or 50 for us to even stay close to a team all day. Yeah, and I mean, I was trying to tell people that Larry Nance Jr. and Cody Zeller are guys who just do the little things. They play great positional defense. Like, obviously, they were going to be a defensive upgrade over Carmelo Anthony and uh, Ennis Cantor. It's just crazy how the same people go from downplaying that to all of a sudden saying it's the only reason our defense is better. Like, mm -hmm. both of those things are ridiculously wrong, man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy how they could how people can contradict themselves and be wrong both times. <laughs> so yep. that's, that's a funny narrative right now. Yeah. appreciate near zero 12 for the $5 dono shout out Carl Carlton Pagano Jackson. We got a lot sorry. of Jacksons. I took his thunder. Sorry, man. Who's thunder? I, I, I just said what basically what he said. Oh, um, it didn't mean that Carlton, my bad. <laughs> we're on the same wavelength. You've got yeah. good thoughts going through your head. Yeah. Eric, Eric didn't copy your, your, chat i promise shout out to carlton for the five dollar dono he says overall great defensive game and i'll take the 20 to 25 points from dame or cj any game and we still win big and this is the fourth game in a row in which dame has been able to get at least a couple minutes of rest at the end of a game because it's a blowout and three of those games were in our favor one obviously wasn't but i'll take mm -hmm. three out of four games being a blowout and damian lillard only playing like 32 minutes per game keeping him fresh sure his stats might not look as good and it might be harder for him to win mvp but uh it, it bodes well for our long-term chances of actually making a playoff run uh so i like being able to get him some rest and here's the thing we got a hard first 20 games eric there's going to be games that are going to be tight when we're playing really well because we're going to be playing some good teams in the next 15 games or so. So Dame will have his chance to have big Damian Lillard games. Yep. I just patted my heart because uh, this, is, this is a new experience for me, not having to be on the edge of my seat during <laughs> the fourth quarter, wondering if we're going to screw up a game against a bad team or – or come out with an amazing Damian Lillard performance in the clutch. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's kind of nice not having to have those heart failures every uh, other day when we watch the Blazers play. Yeah, and they they made me nervous for a second there. Yeah, but that's a lot but different than still, like... <laughs> yeah, and here's the thing. Good teams are going to go on runs. The problem is, is the Blazers would get big leads and then let teams come all the way back and then would be fighting from like five down or something. You know what I mean? Like this year's team seems like a team that will be able to withstand runs because they're able to have good possessions on both sides of the court. The problem is, is when you suck defensively and have a lead, uh, once the other team's offense gets going, they are able to build enough momentum and rhythm to be able to consistently score when you can't shut them down. The thing mm -hmm. is, is... The Clippers built a bit of an offensive rebound, and then our defense started shutting them down again. Uh, so it's easier to withstand runs when you can do that. And that's the thing is the best teams in the league withstand runs in the second half when they're winning by 20. Sure, it might get to 8, 
10, even 6. You don't want that to happen, but the best teams are able to then uh, build back the lead from there, and that's what Portland did tonight. And I want... I, I don't remember what happened on the offensive end, but there was a play where Nurk gets a block. Uh, we get possession, run the other way, and score. I forgot who scored on that one. Um, but it's plays like that that completely turn a comeback for the other team into uh, positive momentum in our favor. Yep. And then shout out Caleb Pendergraph. $5 dono. He says, recheck last season's games. Best victory all last season was a 15-point victory over the healthy 76ers. Uh, that game was actually just a weird game because we didn't have Dame, CJ, Anthony, or Yusuf Nurkic. The Sixers didn't have Ben Simmons, but had Joel Embiid and had a number of key players, and that was our best win last year. And it was funny because after that post-game stream, we were saying the team was forced to move the ball offensively because they didn't <laughs> yeah. have Dame or CJ and they were able to score 121 points against a good defensive team in the Sixers. So that was probably the funnest post game stream last year in the regular season. Shout out to you. If you remember that stream. Uh, but yeah, that's the thing is we have three wins this year that are probably better than any last year. Maybe um, the Lakers at the start think- of the year win was better, but overall it's, it's nice to have three impressive wins in the first five games. I'm pretty sure that's wrong. I think we're talking about like over like good teams. Like good teams, yeah. Yeah, because we didn't beat good teams last year. There was Mm -hmm. a stretch where like over the course of three, maybe three and a half months, outside of the 76ers, our most impressive win was a Dallas Mavericks team. And then it was a situation where we played the Dallas Mavericks twice in a row. We beat them and it was close. And then the next game they blew us out by 40. So we did not have impressive wins last year. We were 42 we and 30. We beat bad teams pretty consistently, but we uh, didn't we have did, many impressive wins. We did have a big win by 21 over the Grizzlies late in the season when they had just beaten us twice and um, were creeping up on us in yeah. the standings. But, yeah. but like, think about it. That's like one of the top games on the mm-hmm. list. Thinking back to all of last year, we already have a, a 20-point win over the Grizzlies five games in. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the thing is, is I'd put our three wins this year up against the three best wins last year mm-hmm. in terms of just how the team performed and how the team played. Shout out Connor for becoming a superstar level member. Appreciate it, Connor. Awesome, uh, Connor. All right. What refs, well, Eric, follow Connor on Twitter. Follow Connor. On, yeah. Follow Connor on Twitter. Connor, oh. plug just your stop. Twitter. I will allow it. There you go. That's there. That's our thank you to you. Plug your Twitter. He was. We were talking about that earlier. Connor needs more followers, so help him out. Chat. Uh, refs, Eric. The refs uh, today yeah. were comical. Comical. I don't... <laughs> they called it pretty even, so I don't necessarily want to say horrible, but, like, they missed a ton of calls both ways. More for the Blazers, though. More for the Blazers. I thought... <laughs> Some of the calls they missed were ridiculous. And I like how they're letting defenses be more physical, right? Like if the defender gets to the spot first and the offensive player runs into them, it shouldn't be a foul on the defense. All the lean in, like non-basketball play stuff, the James Harden stuff. I like that they took that out of the game and don't punish the defense for that anymore. But it's almost like it's gone too far where if you get hit on the arm during a shot, they're not calling it. Mm Mm-hmm. Nasir Little had a 
Almost had a poster on Paul George. Paul George didn't get up all as high arm. as he did. Yeah. All arm. Hits all arm. Makes Nas miss the dunk. They don't call the foul. Uh, there was a play where Dame drove, going to his left, tried to uh, readjust around the defender with his left hand, had both his arms hit. The ball goes out of bounds. They call it off of the Clippers, luckily, but it was an obvious foul. And at the end of the game, Greg Brown gets a technical for hanging on the rim for like a second. It's like they don't want to blow their whistles all game and then they tee him up. Shout out to Greg Brown for having two technicals in his first five <laughs> career games. He knows how to fill the stat sheet. Yeah, yeah. So just overall, man, it's like get rid of the the ridiculous stuff. Don't make it to the point where like Dame drives to the rim and just gets hammered and doesn't get a call. Mm-hmm. That's my takeaway. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of torn on it. When it favors one team over the other, I don't like it. But if we're going to be a more physical defense than we've been in the past, I kind of like if they allow both teams to play that way Uh, because I think that heavily favors us once uh, Dame adjusts to not getting calls like he never does. So, um, My whole thing is like just the – it, the differences in certain plays mm-hmm. the, like being physical on the perimeter like pressing up making body contact on the perimeter they should let more of that go and they're doing that this year and i like that and i agree with you and that i think that type of stuff bodes well for playing a more aggressive defense which the blazers are this year i'm just simply talking about like what i think are obvious foul calls right. that they seem to be letting go yeah and um uh, like i don't know if that's they're just missing those calls or they're just um like that's a point of emphasis in addition to the new rule is to kind of let some of the play go more um but uh yeah i I feel like they missed a few calls and um called us for a couple ticky tacky fouls one on dame one and cj like i said during that comeback where we probably should have had a steal going the other way and might have blown the game open um and uh yeah, I don't know that three-point foul on Paul George. Uh, ball don't lie. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, those the Ant ones, Ant, or not Ant, uh, Nas. The uh, the Nas. He was trying to posterize people tonight. I love the aggressiveness, but um, that dude. Uh, I guess they think he's still a rookie because he couldn't get a call either. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. We'll see if there's. Yeah, the adjustment back to the average. It just seems like this is a little bit of an overcorrection. Mm-hmm. I don't like the as a big. Uh, I don't like the call on Nurk that Hale Blazers brings up in chat. The the offensive foul call. Um, I felt like Nurk did a good enough job of avoiding him, and the only contact was made because uh, uh, I think it was Terrence Mann dipped his shoulder into Nurk as he sl- tried to slide around him. Um, I don't like that call. I think that's either uh, let him play and just uh, go on with it, or maybe even a foul on the defense if he moves his shoulder, because he kind of moves his arm up into Nurk, um, even though he was kind of set. Um, if you're moving your upper body into the player while he's in the air, I don't agree with that at all. Um, and, and that was a shame because Nurk, I thought did a good job of trying to avoid him on that play. Um, but credit to Nurk for uh, 
he had some moments in the game where it was like, oh, everyone is on his case and, oh, Nurk's having a bad game. But look at his stat line again at the end of the game and look at how much he impacted our defense. And, uh, yeah, so um, I, I'd like it to be a little more consistent. I agree. Um, it's frustrating when we're not getting calls. But at the same time, I felt like, for the most part, they let us be physical inside, and that's leading to uh, some of our good interior defense as well. Yeah, I agree with that. Is there any other plays that stand out to you refing wise i mean no let, let me take the henry hall donation yeah. five dollar donation he says i am here for the 90s refs that was great and <laughs> there, there needs to be a good balance between calling what is obvious calling hey. what is too much and letting some certain stuff go it favored the offense too much uh in in the previous years so i like that they're trying to get a better balance with that uh, thank you henry for the five dollar donor we're, we're holding teams uh points per game like we're playing in the 90s style so i that's know good. i know <laughs> if I we mean, can do that in the in the 2020s man that's good <laughs> yeah if somebody can get our updated defensive ranking uh, i have it. it courtesy of mr smog um greg martin connor's <laughs> brother <laughs> he says i don't know where he got this info for but the blazers are now sixth in the league in defensive rating at 102.1 mm -hmm. and they haven't been playing oklahoma city and mm -hmm. houston and cleveland actually cleveland's been better not cleveland i don't, I don't want to throw <laughs> cleveland in they haven't been playing detroit you know what i mean yeah. they've played sacramento the clippers twice memphis and phoenix okay that's about as hard as the first five games as I think you can find across the NBA. And they're sixth in defensive rating when they're just, they just started playing a new defense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's promising. It's yeah, promising. I mean, you look at the schedule. Kings are not necessarily known as a defensive team, but offensive wise, they put up a lot of points historically, right? Or at least the last few years. Uh, Suns have had an amazing offense uh, last year. Uh, the Clippers have had a really good offense the last couple of years. Now they don't have all their pieces right now, so they might and they they haven't been great this year overall, but still nice victories. And then Memphis also has one of the best offenses in the league. So we're talking about playing mostly, if not all, good offenses. So um, efficient offenses, offenses that get a lot of points in transition offenses that do a lot of different things, uh, different styles. Um, and we've managed to shut down pretty much all the different kinds uh, so far. Uh, so if you would have told me facing those first five opponents that our defense would look this good, um, I mean, that's, that's incredible. And I believe our defensive rating last year was, I think it was 116. So we're talking... 13.9 points better per 100 possessions right now, which is an insane improvement over one season to the next. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this team can play defense like they've shown, I don't see how it's not a contender, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to say, oh, a team led by two small guards doesn't contend, yada, yada, yada. Just because it's never been... Just wait for the playoffs. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. There's narratives to downplay the Blazers' chances, but I'm going to base their chances based on how they're playing both sides of the floor. That's the most obvious way to analyze the team. You know what I mean? Like, everybody is so concerned with, like, certain narratives and, and this and that. I care about how the team is playing basketball. And if they can play, like, the sixth-rated defense 
the sixth best defense in the league? How are they not a contender when they have a top five offense? If they're borderline top five on both sides of the court, that just screams contender. Because, I don't know, how many teams were borderline top five in both categories last year? I don't think many. Yeah, like, it's it's really hard to do. It's usually only one or two. So, and those are the best teams in the league. That's the thing, is like, we'll have to see how it plays out. It could be the Blazers maybe overperforming defensively a little oh, bit. Maybe yeah. other teams will, uh, you know, make a few more open threes or whatnot. But overall, like, it's not like this is coming against, against bad teams. It's not like this is a situation where... <laughs> It isn't sustainable. Uh, they have a couple other things to clean up. But overall, this looks like a top 10 defense to me. Uh, they just have to be able to do it consistently. And here's, here's the thing that I'll finish this off with is even if they're not able to do this consistently, they've shown how capable they are of having good defensive nights. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said they were not capable of having good defensive nights against good teams. So that's the thing is sure. They might end up regressing a little bit from sixth down to 10th, 11th, 12th. That's still a massive improvement. But I think the biggest takeaway that you can come away with from this early season is just how capable the Blazers are uh, of having a good defensive night against a good team. Well, here's the thing though. If they do revert back to horrible defense, right? They have now several games, at least three games, where they can point to and be like, we're not doing the things we did in these games. We need to get back to doing this. And a good coach will not allow them to regress back to the old way. So I have I have utmost in confidence in Chauncey Billups if he's already showing um, this much that um, it's going to be different. <laughs> yep. Let's talk about... Or before I forget, thank you, Caleb Pendergraft, for becoming an All-Star level member. Appreciate. If you it. want to plug your Twitter too, go ahead. yeah, plug your yeah. Anybody who becomes a member can plug their Twitter. Uh, I will be dropping a film breakdown probably on Monday since we do have a Sunday game. So channel oh. members, you'll get access to that. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Let me just read this comment by Jeff Ma. He says, "You guys were so negative last season, rightly so." That saying we are defensively amazing in five games and being positive legit scares me good prep for Halloween. Uh, I just wanted to comment on that. So (laughs) this is, if you obviously listened to us last year, so you know we tried to clearly explain why we were so negative last year. We weren't just saying, oh, Stas sucks. We were trying to give you reasons why this team was struggling defensively and why this team can never do anything in the playoffs under this uh, coaching staff and all that. Um, So the reason why I, I don't want to speak for Tori, but the reason why I'm so optimistic is because we're seeing a team playing the exact way we've been begging for them to play. And that Tori and I both believed were in there um, dating back several seasons ago to probably the Pelicans series year. Um, to where I think we were good enough from that point forward to be a legit team like Phoenix and Utah last year and at least make uh, more deep runs than just one Western Conference Finals trip where we got swept. And it's frustrating to see them play in such a way that is not conducive to winning in the playoffs and then 
like having to go through the whole season knowing what's coming, we're going to lose to an injured Denver team or whatever team we face in the playoffs. I thought maybe we could beat Denver just because we should have beat them even with the coaching discrepancy. But it's just frustrating knowing that we're doomed no matter what, unless like Dame and CJ just go crazy. And Dame had freaking 55 points in a game. Hits what, 12 threes or something in that game. And we still lose and stuff. And and it's because our defense is trash and and our, our systems are not conducive to winning. So um, to see the changes that we've asked for and to have a coach that seemingly just every time he talks says exactly the way Tori and I feel like this team should play and answer, he's answering those questions perfectly uh, just gives me a lot of hope that it's different this year, even though it's only been five games. Yeah, and that's where the excitement comes from is the hope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 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 us discovering in my opinion the ceiling of this roster because what we did last year and the season before did not give us the best chance to win so it's hard to say how capable this roster is when you're not doing the right things in terms of what you're running your style of play and especially when you're playing a certain way that might bode well for regular season success, but it ends up screwing you over in the playoffs. Our offense regresses in the playoffs under Terry Stotts. There's an article out it on it on our website that was dropped about a month ago by Shervin, and it explained and showed how our offensive rating actually declined in the playoffs compared to the regular season. Our offense wasn't conducive for success. It ended up with us going against a, a mediocre Denver Nuggets defense and only scoring 20 points in the final 16 minutes. Now, I'll talk a little bit about the offense in a second from this game, but it uh, defensively, there's no reason this roster should have been bottom three the last two years. And this team is better defensively in terms of the roster because Melo's gone, Canner's gone, you brought in Larry Nance Jr. and Cody Zeller, but it's, ac- it's us actually giving ourselves the best chance to be a good defensive team. So that's where the excitement comes is we had a lot of hot takes, Eric. <laughs> we had a lot of bold statements going against the coaching of this team that not a lot of people agreed with at first. And that was when we were starting this channel and we took a ton of heat for it. It's kind of exciting just seeing validation for all our hot takes play out in real time on the court this year. <laughs> yeah, that's... I'm not going to I'm not going to go that far until uh we get a little deeper into the season. Um I mean, but I, we said I, this team was capable no, of playing good defense yeah. like they are right now. I know. I know. I I I 100% believe we're right. That's why I made the guarantees I did this season. That's why I've said for years that coaching does matter and argued with everyone who says it doesn't and says, "Oh, there's nothing they can do about it." But what it all comes back to me is Terry Stotts stood there on media day and said he was going to change his schemes and they were going to play like they're playing this year. And that fool did not do any of that. He didn't like, why did he not do this last year? Why did he not put his players in position? And you can blame Cantor and Mello all you want for that, but the starters weren't doing that. And that's why Nurk was so frustrated last year. He knew if he just played up on those screens at the level that it would result in our defense automatically getting better <laughs> because we're, we're just doing something different, mm-hmm. but he refused to change or even try that. And we even saw Cantor a few times 
actually do that well the few times he did it um seemingly a going rogue like nurk had to 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 shut down some teams um and, and i i mean i don't know if it was a pride thing or a stubborn thing with him but this guy just flat out did not coach the team last year. He just gave up and just was like, well, my system's either going to work and we're just going to run what we always do or, or I'm going to get fired. And he was resigned to that. And um, I don't like the fact that people gave him excuses last year. I thought he was, I mean, you cannot do a worse coaching job in my opinion than he did with this roster last year. And that is saying a lot considering we made the playoffs uh, we, you know, we went six games in the first round, I guess, but the guy did nothing all season. We, we knew our defense sucked. Did he try anything different throughout the season? Did he try to implement a new scheme? No, we heard him, I guess, before the season even started, he went to Dave and was like, Hey, should we switch up our defense or just go back to the old style or whatever? That That's not coaching. <laughs> that's not coaching. That's horrible. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't want to harp on it too much this season, but that guy held us back last year, and it's nice to see someone come in and actually want it to improve. And, honestly, we've seen some different things, too. Like, we're, we're not just doing the same thing all game. Um, we've seen some adjustments at halftime, and we're playing it a little different way. Like I said, we, we doubled Paul a couple times uh, tonight. Um, in the second half, we didn't double him at all in the first half. Like we, we made some adjustments, um, last game, we're getting killed on the boards and we made an adjustment in the second half. We absolutely dominated the boards. We'll get to that when, when we look at the team stats again, but we were, we were dominant on the boards tonight. And, uh, we, once again, we have a small lineup. How is that even possible? Norm was back tonight. Right. So we had our three guards and Roko's playing out of position at the four, right? And Nurk's soft, so how are we out-rebounding teams by this much? Do you want uh, me to throw it up? No, it's it's fine. We'll, we'll get to it later. But, like, yeah. uh, it's just, to me, it's, it's crystal clear that this team just needed someone different that was going to actually switch things up. And the brilliance of Chauncey isn't necessarily that he's switching things up. It's that he commands the respect i mean you've already heard it from dame he wants to win for chauncey he actually said that he wants to be here and he wants to get this done with chauncey like and this is someone who people said if we fired stots would never forgive the franchise and and would pout and, and never be the same right mm. so uh this is a guy uh i, I just uh i i like that Chauncey not only I mean he was absolutely the right coaching hire and uh, this is from a basketball perspective um we're not going to get into all the other stuff because there's nothing we can do about that um I understand if you're still put off by that but this is the guy who could command that respect from these players to actually get done what he wants to get done and um, I, I'm just I'm glad that they hired the right person. And I agree with Olshay when he hired him. He said in the press conference that he feels like Billups, um, even though he doesn't have experience, he has a ceiling that the other coaches, like if you hire a Mike D'Antoni or whatever, you know what you're going to get. You have a certain ceiling that the team could uh, achieve. And you don't, the unknown of Billups 
I think is propelling this team to a higher level. And I think Billups is the kind of guy who's not going to give up on this team like Stotts did last well, yeah, year. Yeah, it's just like taking a chance on a coach that has the potential to coach well on both sides instead of just mm-hmm. going after a guy that's only ever been an offense, an offensive yeah. guy. Uh, that's why I didn't want D'Antoni. That's why I didn't want a retread. That's why I wanted a Chauncey Billups. And uh, it's it was the right hire. It's been a great hire for the team. Uh, commands respect. Uh, defensively has brought this team to a level, at least early on this season, that we haven't seen in a while. Uh, offensively, it's still to be determined. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you want to hop into team stats or do you want to talk the offense? Because I do want to do both those things. We haven't really What's up to you? at the I'll look, let's look at the team stats first, and then I want to make a point about the offense. Um, there is the rebounding numbers, Eric. 16 offensive boards for Portland, 6 for the Clippers. 63-43 to 43 rebounding advantage, right? That's not something that jumps out to you during the course of a game unless it's going bad, right? If you're rebounding well, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, they were taking care of the boards, good. If you're rebounding poorly on the offensive glass, it's frustrating, just like the first half of the Grizzlies game. I mean... Since that first half, three halves in a row where we have dominated the boards, and that uh, is something that can't go understated. So great rebounding numbers there. And how many times over the last two years did we, both you and I, just throw our hands up and be like, we're not even boxing out? (laughs) You know, and it's frustrating because, um, like, we just let a team kill us on the boards. And it's just nice that we've made a concerted effort um, the last two uh, last game and a half now to keep the other team off the offensive boards because that was killing us. Um, and the reason why Memphis was still in the game or beating us at halftime last game. Um, so, yeah, I, to only allow six offensive rebounds tonight, I think, was, was huge. Yep. Assist advantage to 21 assists to 17 for the Clippers. I want to get that up. That'll be a point about the offense. Uh, eight steals, six blocks. Outdid the Clippers there as well. Did we beat them in every stat? We had <laughs> one more stat. turnover, which is negative. One more yeah. turnover but and we had... less fast break points. That's the only – and we fouled more. Mm-hmm. Five more fouls. We had uh, five turnovers, like I said, in the first quarter. So mm-hmm. we only had nine the rest of the game. So that was key all, as and well. The, here's the thing. The Clippers started off like six for six from three in the first quarter. They still only had 24 points in the quarter. Because we didn't let them get anything inside. So that's the thing is like sometimes you'll go up against a team that is hitting jumpers. But if you control the interior, you still give yourself a chance defensively to be able to kind of hang in the game. So that's the thing is like if a team starts six for six from three against us last year, they're having a at least a 30 point quarter, if not a 35 point quarter. So to have them start that hot and we were turning over the ball and kind of sloppy and then we were winning at the end of one was kind of crazy to me. Yeah. For sure. So, uh, I Twelve. Points in the paint continue to do well or mm-hmm. continue to have an advantage there. We had an advantage in the Grizzlies game, so the Blazers are able to get shots on the interior. We didn't shoot well inside, uh, 42% from the field and 46% from three. That shows you that we didn't shoot too well from two. Um, but in a game like this that was a ref like this, I can't really hold that against uh, the team. Yeah, I think Norm at halftime was three for three from three, but oh for three from two. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, anyway, that's the team stats. Uh, Let's talk about the offense, all right? The offense, in my opinion, is still a major work in progress, which might sound weird, but uh, this team can play, like, any style during the regular season, 
and be a top five offense because of the talent they have on the offensive end. And when you got Norm, CJ, Dame, Anthony taking a jump, Nurkic, if he's finishing well, uh, and then Rocco knocking down threes, Rocco finally made an offensive impact tonight. Like, that's a really good offensive team no matter what they do. I still feel like we haven't seen the offense that Chauncey wants to run. Mm-hmm. And that's based on what he said. And maybe that's a little bit of hopeful optimism, but right. our offense is still pretty stagnant. Mm-hmm. And while that might not hurt us in the regular season, I'm worried about what that'll do in the playoffs if we're not able to move the ball to take advantage of teams being aggressive on Dame, especially with the way Dame gets trapped in the postseason. Now, I think Chauncey will set up the floor a lot better, and I think we're much better equipped to deal with the trap, both in terms of personnel and the coaching department this season. Like, we should have no problems in the playoffs dealing with a trap. Uh, but it's a situation where... When defenses are allowed to be super physical at the rim against a guy like Dame, it's so hard for Dame to get clean looks around the rim. And now it's like he's not getting to the free throw line when there's contact, it seems like. And if you're not moving the ball, if you're stagnant, defense is going to be set. And the second guy, the help defender, is going to be ready to uh, slide over to Dame and help with those drives. And I saw that tonight, and Dame tried to force a couple things on the interior, but there was at least two, if not three, if not four times where Dame drove and I think would have gotten to the free throw line had this been last year, but didn't because the league is letting more things go this season. And during this game, I was just sitting there wishing like, man, why aren't we using Nurkic's playmaking? Why aren't we using Larry Nance Jr.'s playmaking as much as we could be? Why aren't we utilizing Cody Zeller's passing ability? Because Cody Zeller is an underrated passer. And that might make it easier for Dame to get layups off a backdoor cut or whatnot. Or at least if you're moving players around, then the help side defense isn't as ready to load up on Damian Lillard's drives. And maybe he's able to get to the rim and beat the defense to the rim to be able to get a lay-in. The offense I'm I'm happy that Dame shot well tonight. I'm happy that Roko shot well tonight. Like I'm not unhappy with the offense right now um, because I think it's a work in progress in terms of running the things they want to run. But I'm also sitting here maybe slightly worried that Chauncey's just like, okay, uh, we just gotta let Dame and CJ do their thing. What are your what's your inter- interpretation on the offense right now? Um. <laughs> For me, it's hard because we haven't seen the domination from Dame like early in a game yet, um, which kind of sets the tone, uh, especially for struggling. But to me, it's more of some of the times where, like when Dame starts to get double teams and stuff like that, what we do out of it. So tonight, we hit uh, Dame hits two threes in a row, and He gets the ball again, and you could tell he wanted to shoot it so bad. Mm -hmm. Um, But he comes comes off a screen, and he gets doubled, and um, he just did not have a shot. So instead of forcing it, he kicks to Rocco, and um, Norm's guy flies out at Rocco, and Rocco kicks to Norm in the corner, wide open three, right? Uh, Norm ends up missing the shot, but it's a great shot, great offense, and that's one of the things – that I'm looking for is when the team's double team Dame, if we're getting good shots. But the thing is because four of their players were out of position, 
Nurk was under the hoop, and he gets an offensive rebound put back um, because of it. And I think that he missed it and then got it back again and then made it. But um, that that's those are the kind of things. So you can have a good offense even being ISO and pick and roll heavy as long as when those things start to get taken away and the defense starts to adjust that you get good shots. So there isn't many examples of that because Dame hasn't been – Dame for the most part this year out of that outside of those um, three plays I talked about in a row, but like um, it, you can feel it at some point. Teams are going to have to stop Dame. They can't just continue to single coverage him and things like that. So um, he'll he'll eventually just eat teams up if they uh, don't double him off a of pick and roll. So um, the other thing I don't like really is. Um, Nurk's been, I don't know if awful is the right word, but it's been really bad uh, when he gets the ball in the middle of the key. Um, he's not getting good angles at the basket. He's not kicking out the shooters uh, at the right times. Um, but last game, we saw several plays when he rolls uh, on the baseline it's almost unstoppable once he gets his momentum on the baseline going to the hoop. It usually results in a dunk or a or a, a position where he can shield his uh, the defender off and use his big frame to lay it in easily. And I, I wanted to see more of that tonight. We didn't really see it at all. Um, so I think that might be an adjustment moving forward as they look back um, that that's not quite working. And I said this last game, the opposite for Zeller, where Zeller gets in the, the ball in the middle of the key and he's either um, sidestepping defenders and getting to the rim or kicking out um, for for shooters. So uh, I'd like to see them get Nurk the ball in different ways other than just uh, rolling in that middle of the paint. Um, but other than that, I, there's not too many complaints I have of the offense outside of the times where – um, it's pretty obvious that CJ just goes one-on-one. -on -one. He took a couple of bad shots tonight, but overall, uh, not too many complaints. And until it starts to get to a point where those things get taken away consistently and we're not getting good shots, I'm not going to complain about it too much because I feel like once that starts happening again, we'll start making adjustments like on the defensive end. And we're not just going to keep running the same plays over and over again if they're not working. Yeah, I mean, we got to start tossing in some wrinkles. Yusuf right. Nurkic going into tonight was averaging 2.1 assists per 36 minutes. That's career low if you take out his rookie season, mm -hmm. right? Last year, he averaged 5.1 assists per 36. So it's more than been cut in half. And obviously, it's early in the season, and he's not maybe making the right pa passes out of the short roll. I, I will say this about him rolling to the basket and somebody helping, I wish guys would cut baseline more often because I feel like they can get layups, even if it's a guy like a CJ McCollum. Because uh, if we have cutters baseline when their guy helps all the way onto Nurkic, then that should hypothetically be a layup for those guys. Uh, so, yeah, CJ McCollum can hit threes at a pretty high clip, but I would like to see us cut more in that short roll situation. But uh, I'm wondering where the elbow touches and elbow playmaking is. Mm -hmm. for Nurkic 
because that's something that we've done in the past, so it shouldn't take too much adjustment. And, like, you just run some split action between Dame and CJ, and if it's not there, Dame comes for a handoff, right? It's very simple, but we've seen uh, CJ and Dame be able to get some layups off of back cuts or face cuts to the rim. And we're it's like we're not even running that at all right now. And that's kind of where I'm scratching my head. That's like the one thing that in a minute situation with Larry Nance Jr. Those are the only kind of complaints I have with the way Chauncey's coaching. Uh, I just, it's obviously work in progress and they're focusing on the defense and they can be just fine offensively. So I'm not like down on it. I'm not sitting here like, oh, Chauncey needs to do this. Chauncey needs to do that because I think it's coming. So it's not something where uh, I'm upset with Chauncey or anything like that. I, it just, I think it needs to be something implemented in the next 20 games or so where they use Nurkic a bit more at the elbow and kind of work around playing off that a little bit just because that's a wrinkle that can help Dame get layups where mm. otherwise it's just like him driving against a set defense that's allowed to be even more physical now than ever and it's resulting in situations where Dame's getting a lot of contact which I don't want Dame driving into a couple defenders and them being able to just like body him just you know I don't want him to deal with those hits and that risk and whatnot and it's it's been difficult for him to get clean shots off around the rim and even a guy like a a, a CJ he's been able to kind of make the most of it he CJ's been pump faking inside and pivoting and being able to kind of get buckets that way he doesn't get to the line anyway (laughs) yeah and he doesn't get to the line anyway it's just like we have to start working in something more because right now the offense is stagnant and pick roll heavy and I'm not saying it's going to hurt us or cost us games in the regular season it's just it it could help us win a couple more games if we were able to implement something different. And I think it would be something that we need going into the playoffs in the half court, not necessarily just if teams are trapping Dame. Yeah. Well, um, I think Zach brings up a good point. He said they were defending our cuts really well. And um, that's one thing is, for the most part, almost all of Dame's threes are pretty clean looks. Mm-hmm. Um, and those dribble handoffs they're having to overplay the cuts a little bit so they don't get backdoored. And that is allowing Dame to come back up a little freer. So what's happening is a lot of the times when Nurk does get the ball, he's waiting for a back cut, but the the guard comes up for the dribble handoff um, instead, and it's leading to an open shot. It's just not leading to an open lay-in like it it has looked at it before. And... Uh, yeah, it doesn't really show in Nurk's assist numbers yet, but uh, I, I don't know. I think if teams are going to have to pick their poison at one point, and I think I, I'm hopeful that once they start overplaying the three again, that it'll go back the other way and we'll start cutting more and it'll be uh, more yeah. effective. But it seems just... like we've made a lot of good cuts, but they're more, they seem more spontaneous, not uh, like design cuts. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say is like, there doesn't seem to be any designed cuts, right? Like Larry Nance Jr. has had some spontaneous cuts the last couple of games that have resulted in buckets. But mm-hmm. it's like when you're with the bench lineup and you have a good passing four and a good passing five, and you have a guy with the cutting ability like a Nasir Little and even an Anthony Simons, and there's no design cuts. I think that's something that needs to change heading forward. I'm not going to be too hard on it five games in when obviously the thing that needed to be fixed with this team is the defense and that yeah. is seemingly getting fixed and it's looking really good right now. So I'm not going to sit here and like complain about it. It's just something that 
I want to see mm-hmm. introduced into the offense in the coming weeks. Yeah. So. I agree. Alrighty. Uh, you ready to get into... Well, let's get to this other donation. The dono, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Let me think. KJ for the $5 dono. Appreciate it, KJ. He says, first time dono, long time watcher. Usually can't watch the stream streams live. Just wanted to thank you guys for all your hard work. Best Rip City channel. Appreciate it so much, man. Glad to... Uh, Thanks, KJ. Glad you can catch one live. It's always cool to hear from people that watch us regularly, but never really are able to interact with us through chat so that means a lot and i appreciate it uh all right if you aren't wa- able to watch live uh tori's been putting the shows on spotify now so you yep. can listen that way if it's easier for you yep 100 percent. all righty let's hop into let's hop into tweets of the game first we got three tweets tonight remember to use hashtag blazers uprise on twitter for a chance to be in introduced into tweets of the game i like doing this just to uh post uh some of your guys's stuff shout out zach our mod zachlandia at whacklandia go follow him we don't need to score 130 every night to win amazing what a concept what a concept eric hashtag blazers uprise you got (laughs) how would you say this eric (laughs) Um, your stream's probably a little behind how how would you say this name let's hear your pronunciation because you're obviously the pronunciation expert uh damarin sarillard yeah that's better than i could have done shout out to damarin sarillard he says blazers playing good defense when everyone said they couldn't do it tears in my eyes and it's just funny to see how the people that said this team couldn't play good defense now try and justify the fact that they are so that was a good tweet. Shout out Evan. Evan has bangers uh, every stream. He says, we're a good third quarter team for once. I wanted to put this up here because this is the second game in a row in which the Blazers have had a pretty good third quarter after mm. getting crushed every third quarter last year. So Yeah, I don't know. It was every third quarter, but yeah, it was yeah, pretty consistently we come out of halftime and just look like mm. we did nothing all halftime. It's like, what are we doing? Uh, so yeah, that's nice. Yep. So uh, I'm no longer feeling a sense of dread at halftime this year, which is very <laughs> nice because last year I had a sense of dread every halftime. I couldn't just take a break from the game. It almost got worse during yeah. halftime. So uh, it's nice to not have to deal with that. Alrighty, let's jump into the players. This is not updated. Let me update this real quick. Uh don't want to start this off with Robert Covington's stat line from last game. Let's start things <laughs> off with uh, let's start things off with Dame because Chris Chris thrown in nicknames in here. Damian, I'm back. Lillard, 25 points, six assists, four rebounds, nine for 17 from the field, five for seven from three. That means he went four for ten from two. Two free throws, Eric, in a game this physical. Two free throws for Damian Lillard. He's getting the James Harden treatment, which used to mean that he would get to the line maybe 15 <coughs> times in a game. Now the James Harden treatment this year is you don't get to the line at all because Harden's a guy who cannot buy a foul call this year. It's so weird to watch the the way things are being refed differently. Uh, he did turn over the ball a lot. Six turnovers. The rest of the team only had eight, so he was a little bit loose with the basketball tonight, but overall good to see him hit some threes good to see him have a five for seven shooting night yeah i think trevin's saying chris has too much power i think he's referring to chris there so chris <laughs> does our graphics and he's just throwing in the random stuff <laughs> he, said he, he said he hopes chat will enjoy it so uh 
yeah, Chris Chris put some personality into it. I enjoy it. So uh, Vivian in their group chat had a stat at halftime that Dame had eight potential assists and they were all like really good passes at halftime, but only two of those were converted mm-hmm. into baskets. So um, that assist number should have probably been a little higher tonight than it was. The turnovers, um, I mean, he made some terrible passes at times in this game, but um, I, I thought for the most part he played under control. I was, um, I don't know if I remember all six of them. I know a couple of them were really bad passes. I don't really remember the other ones, uh, so maybe that's a good thing. But um, yeah, just probably uh, overall the best game of the season for Dame uh, when you combine his shooting. And uh, I thought he was good on the defensive end. Once again, um, it, in those situations where he's getting isolated, I feel like he's uh, just as good as anyone defending. Um, he rarely gets blown by. He's strong in the post if someone tries to back him down. Uh, he gets his hand up. He plays physical. I mean, I don't, I don't think he's a bad individual defender when he's on an island. And then uh, getting through screens uh, rotation-wise, um, outside of that one play I mentioned in the first quarter, um, once again, I felt like he didn't really make many mistakes. Um, and that's, <laughs> again, a positive thing if you're, not, um, if you're not talking about Dame on the defensive end at all. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd say slightly – I'd say he's above average. I would say he's been – between neutral and good defensively. The thing is, above average is better than he's been during his entire career. So if he's above mm. average, and CJ McCollum's been playing really good defense, uh, I mean, that's what we want, right? You've had two yeah. terrible backcourt defenders that are undersized. If one of them's playing above average defense and one of them is playing really good defense, that's a huge improvement. And that's where a lot of our defensive improvement comes from. And that's where I go back to saying I don't think that Damon CJ are unable to coexist in the backcourt because I think they can be better defensively than a lot of people realize. And uh, we're seeing that play out right now. So uh, nice to see Dame have a good three-point shooting night. It's been nice to see him defend, uh, play some defense on the other side of the court, though. So, mm-hmm. But uh, it's just uh, such a relief when you see that some of those threes go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his first one kind of rimmed in. Um it wasn't very clean, but some of his ones in the second half were just nothing but net. And I think he's, um, I, I, I was never worried about his shooting, just like I'm never worried about him leaving. And uh, in case you missed it, he had a freestyle that puts to bed him ever wanting out of Portland pretty much. So, yeah, uh, yeah you, can, you can take that to the bank that Dame's not going to go against everything that's made him who he is at any point soon. So um, I'm not worried about that moving forward either. Um, I think he's locked in and uh, he's committed to this team long-term and to Chauncey long-term. And I I think as we show what we're capable of early in the season, I think it's going to ingrain that even more that this team is a lot better than people think it is. Yep. Let's talk about Yusuf Nurkic next. Yusuf Nurkic had an interesting night tonight. Overall, I thought he had a pretty good game. Uh, He shoots 6 for 14 from the field. Here's the thing with that. 
there was at least four shots that he missed that he converted the putback on. There was a play mm-hmm. where he missed two shots and then made the third one. He had six offensive rebounds in this game, and I think all six were like rebounding his own misses. Uh, so sure, he had one tip in off off. Uh, okay, yeah, it was, it was like miss, it yeah. was it was at least four, if not five. So uh, it was a situation where that's the thing is sometimes with bigs they'll have a six for fourteen shooting night and it doesn't look too good, but like. They went one for three on a possession where they missed their first two shots and made the third one. The two misses didn't hurt because he followed them up and it ended with a make. So mm. overall, you look at the six for 14, sure, that doesn't look like the most efficient night for a center, but uh, a lot of those misses were him rebounding his own shot. I also thought there was a miss or two that should have been called a foul and he should have been sent to the free throw line. Uh, I think he should have had eight free throws or so in this game instead of the four. So overall, like you look, that's why you can't just look at six for 14 shooting after a game and determine what type of night he had shooting the ball. There's some context that needs to go with it. He rebounded the ball extremely well, had three assists tonight, which is the most assists he's had in a game. Sadly, this season, uh, if I recall correctly, two steals and a block only played 23 minutes plus 22 in those 23 minutes. Uh, So he overall, I thought had a really good defensive game. He was the number one reason why the Clippers struggled inside the arc and around the rim as much as they did and uh, rebounded. Well, followed up some of his misses Uh, can needs to get a little better at hitting the corner guy on the short roll when a second defender helps on to him. But overall uh, for as much heat as he's gotten this season, I think he's having a pretty solid campaign. Yeah, offensively, uh, yeah, like I mentioned earlier, that when he catches the ball in the middle of the paint, he's got to make better decisions and use that playmaking versus forcing up a bad shot or getting a turnover. Um, So you want to cut down those three turnovers to one or two maybe. Um, But, I mean, even in the second half, he had that play where he goes up super strong. I think that was one of them where you thought he got fouled. He finishes – Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he misses that, everyone's like, oh, Nurk can't finish, blah, blah, blah. But, like, what do you want him to do there? He went up as strong as he could have um, coming from the angle he came at and took the the punishment right to the defender. And uh, so, like, yeah, it's just – I mean, it, luckily it went in. But, like, uh, I feel like he's trying to be a better finisher. And, uh, yeah, I, there was a point in the – in this game where Chauncey called a timeout and he was really mad. Um, I couldn't tell if he was mad at the refs or if he was mad at like CJ and Nurk. Um, but other than that, uh, I mean, when you talk about defensively, this guy has played elite defense all season long. And he's one of the main reasons why we have a good defense this year, because he's been so active off um, showing on those pick and rolls. Uh, he's he's stopping the the ball handler from getting anywhere. He's um, this is the difference between this season and last season. Last season, the the ball handler comes off a screen, and when you drop the big, the ball handler is going straight downhill towards the hoop. This year, what has happened almost every time they set a pick for the ball handler? He's going sideways or away from the hoop. And that's such a big difference. It seems simple, but like you're completely pushing the guy away from the play. And when you do that, not only do you give your defender enough time to recover, but unless 
the the offensive players make an insane play or a good pass like Chris Paul did this a couple times where he's still elite enough of a passer to get a pass through a defense even fading away from the basket or moving away from the the roll guy but for the most part Nurk is having enough time to recover back to his guy after pushing the player who has the ball out of the play and that that's just great defense and to have a player who can uh be agile enough to do that consistently at Nurk's size um is just a great weapon to have and then he's protecting the rim um there wasn't a lot of easy baskets at all for the clippers tonight um and and once again how many times did we talk about how we give up a layup line or uh, all these easy dunks or easy baskets in years past so um i i think nurk has been elite defensively this year so far and people want to focus on his his shooting or his finishing but um other than than maybe some critiques of that I, I don't think you can play too much better than Nurk has on the other end. Uh, here, here's the thing that confuses me, Eric. Here's the thing that confuses me is going into this game, he was shooting 17 for 27 from two. He then goes six for 13. So he's 23 for 40 from two, right? Mm-hmm. That's him shooting 57.5% from two, which is a career high by five percentage points. And we're talking about how he's finishing terribly? It doesn't make sense. I, I do not understand why people are so hard on this guy. People have become unfair to Yusuf Nurkic, which is crazy because everybody loved him when he got here from Denver uh, back in 2016-2017. He's shooting 57.5% from two. Sure, it would be awesome if he could shoot 65% from two. It, heck, it would be awesome if he could shoot 100% from two. But... His career high in terms of shooting from two was 52.5% the last two seasons. He's at 57.5%. The goal I set for him was for him to shoot 54% from two this season. So I just, I, I don't, I don't get it because the narrative against him, it just reads more like people that have negative biases towards him or that <laughs> get frustrated over one individual play and ignore, you know, a good play from him. It just doesn't make sense because there's no basis in reality to say that he's being a terrible finisher this year when he's far and away setting a career high from two. It doesn't make sense. Yep. Uh, case in point, Arthur Wyatt in chat. The boy, Continental Soft. Uh, he needs to go. Uh, Nurk trying to trying to Euro. Um, let's see, what else did he say? He's holding us back. Uh, yeah, Nurk is holding us back. Great take, buddy. Great take. Yeah, this is that's the, just the, the stuff. That's just the stuff, Eric. That like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't even want to give that attention because it's just troll. <laughs> it's almost trolling. It's either yeah. trolling or it's people that just are thinking emotionally and not actually like watching the game. You know yeah. what I mean? That's just that's just ridiculous. You know so. It's it's whatever the dudes. Uh, I don't even. I don't, I don't even want to argue. Well, no, I just want because this is important because. I saw this all during the game tonight. Oh, Nurk's trash, blah, 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 you know, got into it with someone last game, right? You're not making any points. Like, bring some points. Oh, he misses too many gimmies? Tori just proved that that's false. So you're wrong. <laughs> you're yeah. wrong. So I mean, let's – I'm all for discussion, but if, if you're going to sit here and 
and just say like, oh, he's got to go. He's he's horrible or whatever. You're not contributing to this. And I know you watch all the time. Um, so I'm giving you a pass. But like, um, this is the kind of arguments we've been telling you guys not to do. Like, we're better than this. Like, if it like bring some discussion, if you want to talk about how you don't feel like Nurk is contributing the way that Tori and I feel, I want to have that discussion with you. But to just sit here and do this, that's not talking basketball, man. And until you give us some better uh, knowledge about your opinion, uh, from now on, we're just not going to respect you <laughs> in chat if, if you're going to talk like that. Yeah, I mean, we could get we could have this conversation every stream because there's enough yeah. people out there that feel that way about Nurk, which is just sad to me. Um, is we always challenge our viewers if they disagree with us we welcome it just back it up with substance because there's too many uh, there's too <laughs> there's too many people out there that just say stuff just to say stuff and never actually back it up with anything and that's what we've always tried to do we've had some hot takes but we always try and back it up with something logical with some substance because we don't say things to just say things we have a reason why we have certain opinions so i don't know man i'm i'm tired of the nurkic hate it's obviously not going to change um it's just it's there's no basis in reality that's all that's all we can say man the dude's shooting a uh he was shooting 64.5 percent at the rim going into this game recent chat said 50% at the rim isn't good. The league average is 62%. Well, I just said he was shooting 57.5%, not 50%. And that's from two, not necessarily at the rim. He was shooting a higher percentage at the rim going into this game. I don't know what it is after this game, but he's at least league average for a big... And people act like he's a horrible finisher, and it's crazy. So... Well, even if he was slightly below average finishing, he does so many other things on the court that... If you're just going to focus on the finishing, you're basically ignoring all the other good things he does. And I just mentioned a bunch of them, so I, I don't understand. Um, and we, like you've mentioned, we haven't even gotten into him being a playmaker this year. He's basically have, hasn't had a chance to do that, which he will absolutely shine once uh, the offense figures that part of it out as well. Yeah, it's just easier to complain about a missed land than it is to actually analyze what he's doing defensively. So mm -hmm. some people will choose to do that, which is their, uh, you know, they have the freedom to do that. I'll just continue to, to kind of laugh at it and call it out, man. Um, anyway, let's move on from Nurk. Let's talk about Wait, this. Well, we have uh, near zero twelve uh, $5 donation. Yeah, yeah. Well, you guys should know that offense is the only thing that matters in basketball. Duh. <laughs> yeah. And that's a... Everyone who's hard on Nurk right now is completely ignoring his um, elite defense right now. And um, I mean, it's okay if it, if you want to have that approach and, and basically admit you're a casual by by not being able to analyze a whole side of the basketball floor. That's fine, um, but don't don't try to tell us we're wrong about Nurk because um, um, like. Every, pretty much everything we've said we've backed up with facts so yeah yeah so if you disagree with it back it up with something and then it's a conversation mm -hmm. then it's a good conversation it's not just uh ridiculousness right this isn't first take on espn all right this is blazers uprise we try and go in depth here <laughs> anyway appreciate the dono from near zero 12 let's talk about christian james mccollum who did not have a good shooting night tonight 
offensively, it was a pretty rough game for him. 6 for 18 from the field, 2 for 7 from 3, only 1 assist. Defensively, had a pretty good game. And it's just weird because we've talked about CJ as a guy like, he doesn't have enough of an offensive... He doesn't have enough of a positive impact on a game if his shot's not falling. But right now, I mean, two blocks, Eric. One steal. Everybody talks about how undersized our three-guard lineup is. Norm got a block on a seven-footer at the rim. CJ McCollum is one of the best shot-blocking guards in the league. Uh, He, it's, it's, I don't know, man. Like, uh, we play bigger than our listed heights. Like, CJ, sure, he might get shot over a little bit more by taller players but that's not something that plays out too often and around the rim he's actually pretty good at contesting shots making guys miss blocking shots um I think he's actually averaging over one block per game (laughs) as a six foot three two guard to average over one block a game is pretty dang impressive so uh what do you think of his defense tonight and then we'll talk about his offense yeah, uh, just like Dame, outside of um, a couple times in the first quarter, I felt like for the most part, the rest of the game, he was pretty good. Um, that one play in particular was just inexcusable to not even put your hand up on a shooter. Um, but other than that, uh, I felt like he's been pretty solid. Uh, the reason why he's getting so many blocks and steals is um, he's doing a very good job of staying with the play even when he gets beat off the dribble um and that that goes uh, a long way to covering up for your mistakes when you do that um well hmm. and uh so he's getting kind of bodied a little bit when players drive but he then um is swiping down on the ball and uh taking it away so <laughs> yeah it's a little questionable whether some of those are steals or blocks or um we saw that again a couple times tonight, but um, yeah, I think uh, defensively he's paying great. Um, and I have, uh, I mean, I have no complaints with Damon CJ on that end right now. Yeah. CJ's played like an all-star this season. We have a comment in chat saying we have to stop the narrative that CJ is an all-star. Come on now, not this season. He's having the best season of his career five games in in my opinion because he's playing better defense than he's ever played and he's been carrying this offense sure he had a tough offensive game tonight but he's been an all-star caliber player on both ends of the court he's been arguably our best perimeter defender so far this season the advanced stats love his defense this season and last year i thought he was actually a solid on-ball defender like a good on-ball defender he struggled off the ball this year he's playing better defense off the ball Tonight, he struggled a little bit off the ball. He needs to close out a little bit further on shooters. I think that's kind of like the one area he's he's struggling. But overall, I don't think it was a bad off-ball defensive game from him. Mm -hmm. Um, He's been playing good defense. And at some point, we're going to have to have the conversation with some people that would always say he's horrible defensively. It's going to turn into a conversation where CJ is potentially a good defender under Chauncey Billups. He's He's averaging 1.8 steals per game, 1.6 blocks per game. His off-ball defense has been, I would say, good this year. His on-ball defense has been really good this year. I mean, the dude doesn't foul hardly at all. I mean, I don't know, man. It's it's just a situation where defensively he's been really, really good this year. And offensively, he's been playing like an all-star. He's been freaking phenomenal 
this year. Um, offensively struggled a bit tonight, but you know every good offensive player has tough nights shooting the ball. It's just nice that he's able to make an impact on the defensive end. Yeah, I still think for if we're talking all star, he's got to. Um, the team has to be at least top four to get to all stars. Yeah, but uh, I, I want to go on a rant about this, and then you can finish your point. Stop basing CJ off if he's an all star or not, because it's a right. popularity yeah, yeah, contest yeah. that's dependent on team record, like you say. And people say, "Oh, well, Dame doesn't have another all star, so the rest of his roster sucks." That's just casual evaluation, right? Evaluate CJ based on who he is as a player. You can be an all star caliber player without being an all star, right? I don't think anybody here would take Mike Conley over him, but Mike Conley was technically an all star last year. Right, well, the big reason was Utah had a really good record. So I hate how people analyze CJ off of not being an All Star when he's obviously an All Star caliber player. And the opposite way, most people think Devin Booker is an All Star, but he's only made it the last two years as an injury replacement. So technically, mm-hmm. he was not picked to be an All Star either year, and just made it because there was people hurt. So. Um, uh, and I don't think many people would argue that he's not an all-star caliber player either. So, um, yeah, I, I hate that narrative as well. And once again, if we had um, this kind of system and coaching in pre- previous years, we might be talking about him being a multiple-time all-star by now. Um, but for me, going back to the game, um, I think – on nights he struggles, I still want to see him use his abilities to play make more. And until he does that, I feel like he still has a bit of a um, a problem with you know being having tunnel vision and taking some bad shots. But um, I want him to have that mentality he has sometimes when Dame misses games um, and he has to be the point guard and he plays that role well in those situations. Um, So until he starts to get um, a little better with his playmaking, which I think is still possible, um, especially with Phillip's guidance as the season goes on, um, I think he's still going to not be as good as he could be and his stats um, like if he would have had five assists tonight, you could say, well, he struggled, but he was moving the ball well. Um, and, and I think his efficiency would improve if he took less bad shots and combined that with playmaking because then defenses can't collapse as much or sell out on him um, if they aren't sure if he's going to shoot or pass. So um, that's the next evolution in his game now that he seems to have been figuring it out on defense and uh playing well shooting the ball outside of tonight but um yeah yeah you summed up pretty much everything i was gonna say about him let me thank anime jake for a five dollar dono he says before nurkic broke his leg i really believed he was better than gobert he was playing at such a high level that year and gobert got underrated by blazer fans and i remember arguments that nurkic was better and i never said nurkic was better than gobert because gobert is just absolutely insane well they're just they're so different it's hard yeah but, I mean, I, Nurkic at his peak, I don't think, was better than Gobert. And that's not a shot at Nurkic. That's just Gobert is an mm-hmm. insane defender and multiple-time defensive player of the year for a reason. So, that's the thing is a lot of Blazer fans did say that. And I felt like they were just underrating Gobert a little bit. Yeah. I appreciate well, the dono, though, Anime Jake. 
I do think it's hard because there were. I, I agree with what you say. Go Bears underrated. I, I think he's a really good player, and he gets crapped on a lot for no reason. Um, but there's probably two things. Um, obviously, Gobert can't play make the way Nurk can, and also uh, I don't think Gobert has the same mobility Nurk has on those screens and on the perimeter. Um, so there are some ways that Nurk can influence a game differently than Gobert, but yeah, overall he's better. Yeah, overall just the insane impact that Gobert has defensively, I think, outweighs mm. that. But, uh, I mean, is, if it's a conversation again this year at some point, then that's a good thing for, mm-hmm. for Nurkic and the Blazers. Let's hop into the next player, if you are ready. I don't know who I'm going to put up here next. Let's see. Uh, who had the next best game? I guess Norman Powell, he returns from injury today. Good to have him back on the court. He looked pretty solid. Only plays 24 minutes, which is a good minutes amount. His first game back from injury. They didn't need him to play more. Had 12 points. Four for six from three. Sniper. Sniper, sniper, sniper. Had a block that block two on Zubach. Had an assist. Three rebounds. Plus 27. And, I mean, Norm just makes this team so dynamic offensively to have a third guy out there that can hit shots the way he can and attack the basket at times the way he can. What do you think about Norman MVP pal tonight, Eric. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Reese, it's hard to check GC during this show. But, um, yeah, uh, I thought he was huge in the first half. I thought all three of his threes were uh, big momentum bursts. And they're ones that he had seemingly not hit as consistently early in his first. Uh, I guess he only played, what, three games? Um, or did he play two games? Yeah, only two games. But um, yeah, so uh, good to have him shooting back today. Uh, normally, Norm is uh, a hugely efficient guard. Um, he's one of the most efficient guards in the league. Um, more so than Dame, I feel like he might have to adjust to the uh, new rules a little more uh, than than anyone else on our team just because he's used to um, getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. Um, And he shoots no free throws tonight, even though he had several drives where he probably could have gone to the line a couple times. Um, But uh, yeah, good to have Norm back. Uh, I thought he was uh, pretty good defensively um, tonight as well. And uh, uh, just, yeah, is I think his feel around the rim was a little off too, uh, missing some time. Um, but yeah, Norm Norm is a good player, and I think he uh, he spaces the floor for for our guards. And uh, I th- I don't think it was a coincidence that Dame had a good game when Norm started hitting shots as well. Yep, agreed. Next up, we got. Uh, let's throw Rocco up there, the fifth starter. Uh, we'll just start off with the starter. So Rocco had a better game tonight, nine points, eight rebounds, three for six from three, uh, which was good to see. Did have three personal fouls, only a plus five, which was the worst plus minus in the starting lineup. But defensively, I think it was a situation where he was a little bit more solid today. Still not quite the Rocco that we expect, but didn't get caught 
uh, mispositioned as much as he did in the Memphis game or maybe a couple games prior to that? Well, there is a reason for that. And this is where I felt like, I mean, it's hard to criticize our defense tonight, but I thought it was a terrible decision by Chauncey to put Rocco on Paul George um, in this game. Uh, And when Paul George hits his first two threes, um, because Rocco, uh, you can't leave Paul George. Like, you can't be the health defender if you're Paul George. And we talked about this before. Rocco is one of the better health defenders in the league. So uh, I don't like having our best defender, health defender on another player, whether he's struggling or not. So I don't know if that was because he was struggling as a health defender this season so far, but the play where he just goes into the paint and leaves Paul George wide open and they kicked him and he shoots a three. And I'm just like, Oh gosh. Um, now Paul George had a great night. He burned multiple people in this game. Um, but it was kind of different than some of our other game plans. Uh, I felt like tonight it was more, we're going to let Paul George get his and we don't, we're just going to, make sure none of their role players have huge games. Whereas every other game this season, I felt like we've made a concerted effort to stop the other team's best player from scoring. Well, I will uh, say there's a correlation there. I think it's like guards versus wings slash forwards. Cause we've done yes. a good job on guards in the preseason, even, even though we struggled in the preseason. Um, Darren Fox had a tough game against us. Devin Booker and Chris Paul had a tough game against us. John Morant had a tough game against us. Uh, so I think maybe there might be a correlation there. Yeah, it's possible. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it's a case where I can see since Paul George is bigger that, you know, putting one of the guards on him. Um, but I kind of wanted to see Powell on him a little more. Um, because Rocco's, he's not going to break his habits not to help right now. So, um, I just feel like putting him on their best player kind of puts Rocco in a bad position. And then, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, kind of sucks. He hit his first three threes and then missed his last three. Um, but yeah, not, not as bad of a game as that had been. He had a couple of good rebounds as well in this one. Um, so yeah, not, not too bad from Rocco. I wasn't as mad as him at him as I was uh, previous games. But um, I still think we need to figure out how to use him better on the defensive end. Yeah. Which is uh, funny because our defense has been good. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind using him on on Paul George. Uh, Paul George was likely going to have a good night tonight regardless. He's been playing right. some really good basketball. He struggled last game, but the three games before that had really good nights and losses. So it wasn't a situation where it crushed you. And Paul George made some tough shots tonight. That hand one he had was extremely impressive the one where he kind of flipped over his shoulder and barely hit net uh he i mean paul george hit an and one three where he supposedly got hit on the elbow a lot of situations it was like anthony simons getting switched on to paul george or cj mccollum getting switched on to paul george cj mccollum had a couple good defensive uh possessions against paul george stripping him once but uh it was just a situation where if robert covington's over helping off the ball maybe you 
maybe you create a situation where it's like, okay, you got Paul George, he's their one really good player, so just stick to him. And maybe that was a way Chauncey tried to kind of break that a mm-hmm. little bit by giving Robert Covington an assignment that he had to pay more yeah. attention to. I don't know. Overall, Paul George had a great game tonight, but mm-hmm. I don't think it was necessarily because of Robert Covington. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, next player we got is going to be, let's toss... Let's toss, uh, I don't know, who scored the next amount of points? Cody Zeller had nine points, so we'll throw him up there. Nine points, seven rebounds, two assists, a steal, a block, filling up the stat sheet in 20 minutes. Uh, did have four fouls. Shot two threes, which I missed the first three. When did he shoot the first three? Uh, who are you talking about? Cody Zeller. Oh, uh, there was one at the end of the shot clock, and then there was one he airballed oh, late. I, I must have missed the end of the shot clock yeah. one. Did he hit rim on that at least? <laughs> yeah, he hit rim, but it wasn't close to going in. Yeah, his okay, his form is really good, but his shot doesn't really go in from the free throw line or the three point line. He's been a sub seventy percent free throw shooter, which is weird because his form looks like textbook. So I don't understand why that is. Um, but overall, he he just does the little things, man, and it's hard to explain until you see it, and I think Blazer fans are now seeing it, and the same Blazer fans that uh, didn't really like the signing, didn't really care for it, are now enjoying them some Cody Zeller, so that's cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought, uh, for the most part, um, Zeller, just solid, man. He's, he does his job. Uh, he had that one play where he got, um, he had a block on one end, and Runs the floor and gets a layup on the other one. Caught a tough pass and finished. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just uh, such a nice weapon to have a uh, competent backup center like him off the bench. Yeah, agreed. And uh, I want to see us maybe involve him in some stuff that I want to see us run for Nurkic. Passing from the elbow. Especially with uh, the potential cutters he has on the bench unit with Simons, with... Uh, uh, Nasir Little with Larry Nance. I would like to see us try and utilize his half-court playmaking a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So, Next up, uh, we got Nas. What did you think of Nas tonight? Uh, obviously, he had a little bit struggle shooting the ball early on, but then hit two big threes um, in this game. Uh, one of them was huge when uh, I think the Clippers had just hit two threes in a row and cut it to like six or something. And then he hits a three to get us back um, to a comfortable lead. Um, So yeah, shooting the ball, not the greatest night from Nas. Uh, We talked about earlier. So I felt like he got some fouled on a few of those takes. Um, I like the aggressiveness that he showed in those um, takes and wanting to finish uh, Paul George career on a, (laughs) on a dunk. Like I, I like that attitude. Um, so keep that up. Um, and But other than him not finishing tonight very well, um, I've just felt like his energy and, and his some of the rebounds he had um, really changed this game. And uh, I, I just like that he's being aggressive. Uh, you'd love to see the eight rebounds. Um, that's, that's a really good sign when he's uh, getting rebounds because they're usually in traffic and uh, – um, big plays when he does do that. Yep. Uh, that's the thing with how physical it was. Like, he has a missed field goal that should have been two free throws. You know what I mean? Like, it's hard to really be too hard on him when 
One of the plays was a definite foul on an aggressive take that should have been either a poster if he wasn't fouled or free throws. One of them was that end of the uh, quarter, like falling down shot that he had that almost worked, <laughs> which would have been insane. Uh, I don't remember what a couple other of his misses were, but it was nice to see him shoot two for three from three. Uh, his shot is looking good. I think his shot looks a little bit flat. It wasn't a problem tonight, but if he starts struggling to hit threes, I would say maybe raise the arc a little bit uh, because he is shooting the ball pretty flat. But if it works for him, it works for him. Just potentially something that if it starts struggling, he can improve on. Yep. So uh, I'm ready for this. Eric. I accidentally clicked on, on a black screen. Larry, hashtag, rip city till I die, Nance Jr. Chris got crazy with the nicknames. Give him more minutes, though, all right? Give my guy, Larry Nance Jr., more freaking minutes. In 16 minutes, he's a plus 15. Eric, why is he only playing 16 minutes a game when Robert Covington's playing 33? I do not understand. This is going to drive me crazy. This is the number one thing that... This is the only thing that I'm upset about with Chauncey is why is Larry Nance Jr. only playing 16 minutes a game? It doesn't make sense, especially after Wednesday in which he had a really good game against the Grizzlies. He only ended up playing 15 minutes in that game. He was a plus 18. So in the last 31 minutes across two games, he's a plus 33. There's not a coincidence for that. He plays phenomenal defense. In 16 minutes, he had 10 boards. He also had a couple of assists. He had a great cut to the rim and a layup. I mean... Give him more minutes, dude. I, I, I'm, I'm like starting to get mad, which I'm not supposed to be mad. We had a good win tonight, but free Larry Nance Jr. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird how little minutes. I, I guess we talked about Rocco matching Paul George tonight, um, minutes wise, or not completely, but for the most part, I think that was the reason why tonight. Uh, but if it's a trend, it's hard to say one matchup was the reason. But in this particular game, I felt like Roko played more just because Chauncey wanted him to guard uh, Paul George versus um, having Nance having to do it. There's two, but, there's two things, though. Like, Larry Nance Jr. is just as good of a defender as him, so I don't know why that would be the case. And also, you can play Roko at the three and Nance at the four together, and Chauncey hasn't done that at all. Yeah, well, we did it. see we did see Nance a little bit tonight as the center, um, but yeah, uh, Trevin makes a funny comment. He said Tori's biggest issue this year is the backup power forward not playing enough. <laughs> Man, how how times have changed. <laughs> <laughs> that's the complete opposite as last year. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, that's why I was so happy to pick him up and like he's. We we got outscored with Melo on the court last year. Like, Melo, even if he had a good offensive night, he was rough defensively and normally would take a lot of shots to get his points. And overall, like, he was efficient from three, but shot 70% of his shots from two where he wasn't efficient. Like, now you have a guy that does the little things, makes the right decisions, plays defense, rebounds at an extremely high level for a backup four, uh, can pass. Playing more minutes, man. I don't, I don't understand because... Roko's not like Roko hasn't been playing better than him. They should each be playing 24 minutes a piece if you're only going to play them at the four. But you can also play Roko at, at some three. Like Nasir Little plays 24 minutes at the back of three. 
Norman Powell played 24 minutes as a starting three, so those are the only two players that played some small forward tonight. Nasir Little didn't necessarily have a great game, but plays 24 minutes. Why can't you give, like, Nance five minutes next to Rocco, with one of them being the three? And then Nance is getting 20-21 minutes. I just don't understand, because when he's been in the game, we've been a really, really good basketball team. No matter who's on the floor. It doesn't matter if Dame's in the game. It doesn't matter if Dame's out the game. It doesn't matter if CJ's in the game. It doesn't matter if he's out the game. Like, Larry Nance Jr. makes an impact on the offensive end. He makes the right cuts. He requires defensive attention on cuts. His playmaking has gone underutilized. I, I just... Uh, the defense looks the best with him in there. I don't understand why he's not playing more minutes, man. It's extremely frustrating, actually. Yeah, um... The only thing I can think of is he's the kind of guy who doesn't necessarily stand out during a game, you know, and then you look at his impact after the game. So maybe he's just, it doesn't seem like to the coaches, like he's having as good a game as is. And then when they go back and watch it later, they're kicking themselves. Um, But you also thought that last game, right? Uh, But then it's also, you know, to see maybe play at the end, the last four minutes when, um, and then he's at 20 minutes. Um, I agree with you. It should be near 24 minutes, but um, yeah, I don't know. I Maybe they're, they're saving him right now. I don't know. He has it's been of, a little bit injury prone, I, so maybe, but. Well, see, the thing is for the longest time I wanted, like there, it very rarely happened, but the minutes when Nurk and Collins were on the court together, they seemingly fixed our defensive issues, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or could like could overcome the lack of scheme up top or whatever. And uh, I just really like those two guys playing together, but we never really saw it on the court. And then Zach gets hurt, so it never really happened. But um, yeah, but like, imagine those two with Rocco playing defense like right. Rocco can. Imagine how phenomenal that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, I want yeah, I want to see. We've seen the stretches where Nurk and Nance play together. It's looked really good. So yeah, that's something that I want to see more of moving forward. Yeah, especially if you're going to be defending their small forward with Robert Covington. Mm-hmm. Throw Larry Nance Jr. in there to defend. Batum or whoever's yeah. the power forward. Like, and then, uh, well, and just see what it looks like. I don't know why we haven't experimented with the, those two at the forward spots yet. So, I think it's it's probably just because we've played teams like tonight. They they basically start, um, you know, two guards and two power, two small forwards and one center, um, and they don't have a lot of size off their bench right now with the Baca out. Uh, so, like, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a case of them not wanting to give dance minutes. I, I think it's just the matchup so far haven't dictated yeah, that. But I still feel like, like they should give him a chance to prove that he's not a capable perimeter defender because I think he, he is more than adequate out there. Why can't we dictate the matchups, though? You know what I'm saying? Like, just because another team goes small, like Larry Nance Jr. can guard smaller guys. Robert Covington is okay against smaller guys. You just don't want him on, like, elite guards, right? Like, and one of them would still be at the four. 
why can't we dictate matchups? Yeah. I feel like it's a situation where we could make teams have to adjust to us if we have Nance, Rocco, and Nurkic in the game because defensively, that's going to be a phenomenal lineup. Offensively, Larry Nance Jr. can pass. Yusuf Nurkic can pass. Uh, Nurkic has kind of struggled from three, but he's shown flashes of being able to shoot, and Nance and Rocco can both shoot. So, like, that's a situation where teams should have to adjust to us. Both those guys are phenomenal off the ball. Lots of length in there. I mean, on the offensive boards, we should be able to get a lot of offensive rebounds. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I get that, that maybe that's why they haven't. It's just a situation where, like, that doesn't mean that we can't or shouldn't. Like, we can make teams match up with us by playing mm-hmm. those two guys next to Nurkic or Zeller, in my opinion. So hopefully yeah. some they try soon. Yep. Alrighty. A little bit of it might just be the blowout situation. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. But I mean, like, he wasn't going to end the game if it was close. Yeah. You know, Rocco was going to play at, like 35, 36 minutes. So it just doesn't make much sense to me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, last player we're going to talk about is Anthony Simons, who has been playing great and then struggled today, but had four assists and no turnovers. So. Uh, made some plays for others, which is nice to see when his shot wasn't falling. Two for 11, one for seven from three. I think he shot a lot of good shots tonight, Eric, and a lot of his shots were in and out tonight. So you look at the efficiency and it was not a good shooting night. It wasn't anything I have a problem with in terms of shot selection or, uh, you know, a situation where he was like airballing or just completely off. It was just a situation where sometimes you get good shots and they go in and out for a night and, uh, uh, it happens in the league, and for a guy as talented as him, I want him to keep shooting good shots. My guy, uh, man, the minute I start saying he's automatic from wide open threes, he missed like three of them tonight. <laughs> Eric, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> things because you said that. You also said last night that the Hawks were easy money against the Wizards, <laughs> and the Wizards beat him by ten. So yeah. you're you're a jinxer, man. Yeah. Well, I tried to throw a bone to my guy Chris, but he uh, messed up his other picks. Could have made up some ground, but, um, but anyways, uh, I don't know. I felt like all 11 of his shots were good. I like that. He, that last bucket he made was, um, I think it put us up eight or so after, um, another Clippers run. And, uh, I, I like that he was aggressive, even though he was one for 10 at that point. And you could tell he was pumped up. That's the most pumped up I've seen him on the court, I think, after he made that shot. Um, But, yeah, that, I mean, he was due for a bad night shooting-wise. And uh, I'll take my chances with him getting those shots all day. And um, i like to see, uh, like I said, good shot selection, which I feel like he did, and good distribution of the ball uh, made plays and and did other things tonight um i thought uh i mean say the same thing i said about damon cj i didn't really notice him on defense so i I don't really remember a lot of times he messed up uh there was one play in particular where uh paul george isolated him up top and i simon stayed in front of him and forced paul george into a tough shot um and that's about all you can hope for in that situation so um yeah i I think he's fine. He just had a bad shooting night, but I feel like he contributed elsewhere. Yeah, him and CJ combined to shoot 8 for 29, and we still mm-hmm. end up scoring 111 and winning by 19 points. It's yeah. nice when like, you don't have to rely on 
the guards having great offensive nights. Because, like, even if Dame struggled shooting tonight, even if Dame was, like, 6 for 18 and 2 for 7 from 3, we still win this game. That's the good part about playing some defense. So, uh, overall. I thought I, he, but... he had one a, a great drive, too. I felt like he got fouled. And uh, the layup came up short because of it. I think we ended up getting the offensive rebound. But, yeah, another player that had... I felt like I had one nice play ruined by the refs tonight. Mm -hmm. Those freaking refs. Anyway, that concludes the player slides. Let's head around the NBA. Uh, that's not the right slide. Let me let me let me put in the right uh, the right stuff into around the NBA. Uh, you had seven games tonight. Uh, some interesting Western Conference games as well that i want to get to here we go uh sorry i'm like i thought i updated this let me do this and do this and click click you can probably hear it on the stream <laughs> there we go all right let's head around the nba so seven games today today october 29th you have the Raptors beating the Magic by one. You had a matchup between the fourth and fifth overall picks, Scotty Barnes and Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs was predicted to go for to Toronto, and they surprised everybody and took Scotty Barnes. Uh, I was out there on Twitter calling them out for their mistake, and right now it absolutely does not look like a mistake. Uh, Scotty Barnes has looked phenomenal, so mm. um, I'm a big Jalen Suggs fan, obviously, uh, and... I wish he was playing better, so it would be more of a conversation. Jalen Suggs tonight, 6 for 14. Finally hit some shots, though, Eric. He had a solid game. He had 21 points, 4 assists, was 4 for 8 from 3. So happy for him to finally have a good game. Mo Baba's been killing it for the Magic. He had 14 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists. Finally got Busevich out of his way. Uh, <laughs> but they end up falling to the Raptors, who had 21 points from Scotty Barnes. So both Barnes and Suggs had 21 apiece. Barnes was 9 for 14. Do you think he's been their best player this year, Eric? Because I think you might be able to make that case. Yeah, um, I think that's pretty logical. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Van Vliet has been okay. OG has been good other than his shooting percentages are terrible. Um, but yeah, uh, consistently Barnes is probably their best player right now, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how Siakam factors into things. The Raptors moved to 3-3, three and three, so they are sitting at 500. Might be a sneaky playoff team. We'll see. Uh, another rookie playing well for them, Delano Banton, had 10 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 4 for 6 from the field off their bench. So a pretty good draft it's looking like for Masai Ujiri and the Toronto Raptors. Next game, you have the Pacers falling to 1-5. and five. They are struggling this season. The Nets move to 3-3 three and three with the 105-98 to 98 win. For the Nets, they have James Harden finally have a good game. And James Harden, yeah, Eric, 19 free throws. finally got some free throws. So congratulations, James Harden. 19 free throws. He hasn't been able to buy a foul call. Uh, and there's a play where Duarte hacked him in this game and he didn't get free throws. And it was definitely definitely a foul uh but lamarck saldridge has a good game for the nets he has 21 off the bench in 28 minutes paul Millsap only plays 14 minutes it's going to be interesting to see how they divide up minutes between those two veterans and former all-stars uh kd 22 points on only 10 shots in this game he ended up getting 
to the line eight times. The Nets shot 41 free throws to the Pacers, 23. The Pacers had an impressive performance from a guy you would not expect off the bench. It'll be in the notable performances slide. I'm going to leave that as a teaser. Uh, Miles Turner, single digits. Justin Holiday, another starter, only in single digits. TJ McConnell in single digits. So they're just not getting enough scoring uh, outside of Sabonis and Duarte right now. Uh, any thoughts on this game? Uh, no, Nets seemingly are not figuring it out. I think they got kind of lucky that the Pacers didn't play well either in this one. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of feel bad. It'd be interesting to watch the Nets going forward. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, if James Harden can play like this, they're going to be a dangerous team. They've just struggled early on the season because obviously they don't have Kyrie, and James Harden has not stepped up to be the second guy. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Dame and James Harden have been kind of thrown together a lot so far this season because they've both kind of struggled, and both of them have good nights tonight, albeit for different reasons. Dame hit shots, and Harden got free throws. Everything's Mm -hmm. back to normal. (laughs) The Heat beat the Hornets 114 to 99. The Heat moved to 4 and 1. They were led by Jimmy Butler. He had a solid game. Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo each had 26. The Hornets had 22 for Miles Bridges. He's having a bit of a breakout season. Gordon Hayward had 23. LaMelo Ball struggled 2 for 14 from the field. Eric 0 for 5 from 3. I think that's the LaMelo Ball that me and you were expecting when we were kind of down on him in the draft. He started off the season hot, but has had a couple bad games. Yeah. And uh, the Heat, I think, are by far the number one defense. And I expect that to continue as long as they are healthy. Um, But the Hornets, I think, came into this game either at the top in terms of offensive rating or near the top. And, uh, yeah, so uh, to to hold them under 100 points is impressive. And uh, hopefully we can do the same on Sunday. Yep. It's funny because the Hornets had – the Martin twins, Cody and Caleb Martin. They cut Caleb Martin. He ended up on the Heat. Uh, he didn't end up playing tonight. Cody Martin is still on the Hornets, and he is having a little bit of a breakout season. He had 15 uh, points in this game in 29 minutes. He's uh, having a, a solid uh, season so far off the bench for the Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's the better twin. I think that debate has been settled. Uh, the Kings beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans continue to struggle. The Kings are now three and two. Pelicans one and five. Uh, the Kings coming off a Harrison Barnes buzzer beater. Barnes tonight, 18 points, 12 rebounds in 37 minutes. Uh, Fox and Rashawn Holmes each had uh, above 20 point outings, but Heald had 20 points. So those are kind of the four guys that make things go, along with Tyrese Halliburton, who had 17 points tonight. Uh, they're not the deepest team, but they do have some interesting players, uh, some solid talent with Fox, Halliburton, Heald, Holmes, and Barnes. The Kings are going to be a team. It's going to be interesting to see if they can continue the play they've had early on this season because they've looked impressive even in the couple of losses that they have. Uh, that's a team that's a sneaky play-in team and could do some damage in a play-in tournament and make the playoffs, in my opinion. So uh, the Pelicans, on the other hand, are waiting for Zion to come back. Herb Jones, mm-hmm. the rookie. I like talking about rookies because it's a loaded draft class. He continues to start. Been a phenomenal defender for them. Was 5 for 8 from the field, 12 points today for the second round rookie. Brandon Ingram, 9 for 22. 
hasn't had the best season. He did have six assists, though. Uh, Valanchunas, 24 points, 13 rebounds for them. Uh, they just are playing guys off the bench which who maybe might not be ready to contribute for a winning team. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you got the Mavericks getting blown out. The Jason Kidd effect. They're in Dallas. They lose by 31 to the Denver Nuggets, 106-75. This is the second plus 30-point blowout that they've had so far this season. Luka Doncic, 5 for 18. He got in... Uh, no, he only, I don't know why he only played 26 minutes. I was probably because of the blowout. I was assuming yeah. it was foul trouble. But yeah, when you... He was a minus 32 tonight in his 26 minutes. So it seems like the Mavericks go how Luka Doncic goes. If he has a bad night, they are a very bad team. Uh, it seems like so. What are your What are your thoughts on them? Their early season, they're three and two, but haven't had the toughest of competition. Yeah, I think this says more about Denver uh, not wanting injury, wish injuries on people. It was nice that Jokic was able to play in this one, um, but Denver's looked pretty good when Jokic is out there, and I think um, yeah. Uh, Luca can cover a lot of holes. Um, unfortunately, Porzingis is hurt right now for them, so that's been a factor as well, um, especially against a tough team. They need Porzingis, um, and they need him to play well to win games, in my opinion, against good teams. Uh, so to not have him and then Luca struggles, it's pretty much lights out for the Mavericks because they don't have the best of rosters, in my opinion. Um, and obviously their coaching hire will be questioned for a long time if it does not work out for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought you were going to say their coaching hire obviously is not as good as ours. Uh, thank goodness we didn't get Jason Kidd. But uh, they, they lost 113-87 on opening night to the Hawks. Um, their three wins are against the Raptors, Rockets, and Spurs. So mm. they haven't faced tough competition yet. They're sitting at 3-2, and two, but it's not an impressive 3-2. and two. Um, While we're on the topic, uh, Kayla Pendergraft with a $2 donation says, so glad the Blazers didn't hire Kid. Yeah, uh, so, so, so glad that that did not happen. Uh, appreciate the $2 dono. Kayla Pendergraft, sixth game was ours. The one game that wrapped up after Blazers-Clippers was the Lakers beating the Cavaliers, which sucks because the Cavaliers were winning Late in the third quarter, uh, the last time I checked the score, it was 85-79 late in the third. So the Lakers came back and beat the Cavs, who have looked uh, pretty impressive by their standards uh, early on in this season. The Cavs, just let's talk about the losing team. Since I love talking about rookies, Evan Mobley, 23 points, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Eric, 10 for 16 from the field, 2 steals, been a phenomenal defender. I think at this point, if you had to make an all-defensive team, he would at least be second-team all-defense as a rookie. He's in the running for rookie of the year right now. Your guys looked looked impressive for Cleveland, even though he might be playing out of position at the four. Yeah, I uh, actually don't mind him playing at the four, um, especially until he puts on some weight. Mm -hmm. uh, but they've been doing some interesting things with him. Um, They've been running a zone at times with him as the top player in a like a one-two-two zone, and he's playing up top on guards, uh, which is very interesting. Um, but to have a guy <laughs> his size and uh, to be able to handle that kind of role um, <laughs> in just a few games into the NBA, uh, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I'd, 
I, I still think that guy has uh, a better or a higher ceiling than anyone else from that draft class. Yeah, for the Lakers, they had pretty good games from LeBron, AD, Westbrook, and Carmelo. Carmelo was 9 for 12 from the field, 6 for 8 from nice. 3. So good for Melo. Westbrook was 8 for 13, including 1 for 1 from 3. Had 5 assists, only 4 turnovers for Russell Westbrook, which is a pretty low number considering some of the tur turnover outings he's had this season. So when they get a combined 17, 17 for 25 shooting night from Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony... Mm. Uh, this is a team that's hard to beat, obviously, because you got LeBron yeah. and Anthony Davis on top of that. LeBron, 10 for 22, AD, 7 for 14. It's crazy that this game was not decided until late in the fourth quarter. The The Lakers went in leading 88 to 85 going into the fourth quarter, shut down the Cavs. The Cavs only scored 16 in the final period. Uh, but this was a game in which uh, LeBron had to play 38 minutes. So despite the great performances from West Brick and Carmelo Anthony, they still struggled to like easily take care of a Cleveland Cavaliers team. I don't know if I'm reading into this too much, but I don't know. It's just seemed like a about as good of a night as the Lakers could expect. And you would expect them to blow out the Cavs with uh, their quote unquote big four doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously since the game was going on at the same time as ours, it's kind of hard to know exactly what happened there. Um, but yeah, I agree with you there. Our guy, uh, block boy, I saw him on Twitter saying that Melo's struggles has, have been because LeBron's been out and that now that LeBron's out, Melo's getting better shots and he's not down. Uh, block boy, block boy was our resident, uh, Laker. No, it was our resident Melo, Melo. fan last yeah. year. Yeah. And anytime Melo struggles, it's never his fault. So, um, yeah, I mean, good game for him. I, he he has one good game and then two bad games. His two games previous to this were pretty bad. Mm -hmm. uh, the game before that, those two, was a good game against the Grizzlies. So I'm expecting two bad outings from Carmelo. We face the Lakers coming up. Hopefully we get bad Carmelo instead of good Carmelo. Uh, we'll look at our next five games here in a second. But the Lakers end up moving to 3-3. Three and three. The Cavs are also at 3-3. Three and three. Let's look at notable performances. Paul George leads the list. He's led this list multiple times uh, on our post-game stream so far this season. Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo teaming up for impressive performances. James Harden finally gets some free throws. And then Torrey Craig, Eric. Torrey Craig, 28-11-3. I'm sure Gabe was loving that. <laughs> Man, think the Suns miss him right now? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, if he's putting up 28-11-3, absolutely. My goodness, what a performance from my namesake, Tory Craig. Uh, Tory with two R's. So that was, I was very surprised when Chris gave me this graphic because I didn't look at that box score to see 28 from Tory Craig. Uh, <laughs> good performance from him. Yeah. Let's look at the standings, Eric. Okay. One undefeated, one undefeated team left in the league. That's Utah at 4-0. Golden State lost yesterday to fall to 4-1. You got Minnesota at 3-1. They have only played four games. I think they're the them and Phoenix are the only two teams to only play four games in the Western Conference so far. Utah 4. Utah 4. Okay, good maths. Uh, <laughs> Dallas, Sacramento, Portland, Denver, Memphis, all 3-2. So obviously still not a lot of separation right now. Uh, 
you got Lakers and Phoenix still on the outside looking in in terms of not being in the top eight. Uh, the Clippers fall to one one and four with the loss tonight. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how playoff positioning sorts itself out. Normally there isn't separation until like 10 to 15 games in. Uh, I like that Portland is sitting there on the left side of this graphic though mm-hmm. at, at tied for fourth right now. Yeah, and as far as the Clippers go, um, that's why I was kind of disappointed when we got blown out the other night is we played them so many times early in the season that we know they're not going to have Kawhi. So I feel like if if they get stomped on enough times, and especially by us, if we can win um, all the rest of those matchups, that we can kind of push them far enough down to where they might not even make the playoffs or the playing game. And then we don't have to worry about having to face them if we're one of the top seeds going into the uh, playoffs with a healthy Kawhi um, on top of Paul George and stuff like that. So um, it would be nice if they continue to struggle because I don't think they're going to be able to climb out of a hole if they get too deep down there. Yep, agreed with that. You do have for the consensus four bottom feeders are in the bottom five right now. That's Houston, OKC, San Antonio, and New Orleans. No surprise mm-hmm. about that. Uh, as far as the Clippers go, I would have expected us to win two out of three over them heading mm-hmm. into the season. So we've won one out of two. We win the next game. That's two out of three. So uh, it was disappointing that we got blown out by them. But, I mean... If they were 0-5, that'd be crazy. If we just showed up that night and they were 0-5, that would be crazy. They would. Uh, there's only one other winless team in the NBA. That's in the Eastern Conference. That's Detroit at 0-4. Eastern Conference got four teams in the top four. Uh, one of them is expected at Miami uh, with Miami. And then three of them are a little bit unexpected. New York obviously had a good season last year. I was expecting them to fall off a little bit this year. But they've looked impressive at 4-1. and one. They beat Chicago to give Chicago their first loss. But Chicago's also at 4-1. and one. The problem is that was the first good team Chicago has played. So hard to read too much into them. And then Washington's looked impressive. Washington beat Atlanta yesterday without Spencer Dinwiddie. So Washington's a team that we might have to start talking about as a potential playoff team there in the East because uh, they've had a pretty impressive season so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, to go back real quick, we do play the Clippers four times before December 6th. Yeah, and our next game is coming up like six games from now. Yeah. So, yeah, we play them. I know it was three times in the first 11 games we played mm-hmm. them, and we've already gotten two of those out of the way. Yep, and then we play them a fourth time a few games later. So Yeah, cra- crazy how it's a lot yeah. of Clippers really early in the season, but so- I'm not complaining. Go 3-1 and one against them. That'd be nice. That's the goal. Yeah, that's definitely the goal. Charlotte's at 4-2. and two. We have them coming up next. I'll look at the schedule right after this. Uh, still too, too early to be... Too early to take away things from this. So I can't wait until the standings start to separate and we can start coming to some conclusions about some of these teams in this segment on post-game shows. Uh, any other opinions on any other Eastern Conference teams, Eric? Uh, as I mentioned in chat, uh, Patrick Williams is out for this season for Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of sucks for them. Um, but yeah, uh, be, I don't know. The standings are are about the same in both. There's a few teams on the right that shouldn't be, and there's a few teams on the left that probably won't be there in a few weeks. 
Yeah, I will say Indiana's in some trouble, and they were mm-hmm. a fringe playoff team heading into the season at one and five. That's not good. Yep. Well, I mean, we've known for what at least three years now that Sabonis and Miles Turner does not work together, and, <laughs> and they've they done nothing to rectify that problem. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe they will. Honestly, if they continue to struggle like this, then I think they're splitting up that pairing at the deadline. But I thought they were splitting up that pairing this past offseason. They didn't, so we'll have to wait and see. They've always been kind of inactive. And obviously, the Rick Carlisle hiring isn't doing too well for them so far. Uh, let's look at the next five games. We've got Charlotte up next. We start a three-game Easter Conference road trip. Charlotte, Philadelphia, Cleveland. Three interesting teams there. Charlotte with LaMelo uh, sitting at 4-2. and two. And then second out of a back-to-back, you get Philly. Watch Ben Simmons come back for that game. That would be something. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard anything about that situation no. in the past week. Has there been an update? Uh, I think the situation is... He's just going to claim mental illness until they trade him. Um, And I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Yep. And then Cleveland's played Western teams well, played the Lakers well tonight, beat the Clippers, beat the Nuggets. So that's a harder game than than one might assume. Should be a team we take care of business against. But that's a big team, Eric. If we're going to see more Larry Nance Jr., maybe against his (laughs) old team in his old city. Uh, against a Cleveland Cavaliers team that starts Laurie Markkinen at the three. So a 6'3 Norman Powell versus a 7-foot Laurie Markkinen, that's that's, that's <laughs> going to be an interesting team to play given well, the fact that they start like three 7-footers. Yeah. Um, if you remember back on Media Day, Larry Nance knew the exact two dates we played the Cavs this year, so I'm sure he's looking forward to it. He'll be amped up for that game. So hopefully yeah. he gets more playing time because he deserves it. Next game after that is a struggling Indiana Pacers team. We'll see if they can kind of turn things around by the time they face us on November 5th. Roots and then, ports. Yeah, and then I, I forgot to update the date for the Los Angeles Lakers game. That is the second night of a back-to-back on November 6th. Uh, Roots support. Yeah, see, I need to, I need Chris to make this graphic because this is like the one graphic that I'm making. Obviously, when I'm making it during the stream, you see the mistakes. See, that's why I got Chris. That's why I need Chris. So I'm gonna have Chris start updating these for me. That game against the Lakers will be on NBA TV. Yeah, it's actually at 7:30. So there you go. <laughs> uh, as far as the Hornets game, Eric, are you going to be here for that stream? Uh, I. We'll be able to watch some to most of the game, and then I'll probably miss the first half of the uh, post-game show. Yeah, and Chris won't be making graphics for that stream either, so it might be a throwback to Season 1 when <laughs> at the start of Season 1, I would occasionally do solo post-game shows with absolutely no graphics. I'll throw the score up there, um, but overall that's going to be... Uh, no Eric stream and no Chris stream. It's just going to be me. So hopefully you guys still it, enjoy that post game stream. For the record, it's because it's right in the middle of trick or treating time. Yes. with the family. So that's yes. Why. Unfortunately, unfortunately, we got Not a Halloween something game. I can skip for. We got a Halloween game, and then we face the Lakers at seven thirty p.m. on New Year's Eve. So we'll see. (laughs) That's not not good. Um, At least it's no Christmas Day game because I I don't know if we would do a post game show if it was a Christmas Day game. Um, But we should be able to do all eighty two this year. Uh, Should just be me on Sunday though. So anyway, anything else you want to say for this game, Eric? Uh, 
Yeah, to pay off a question you had from earlier, so I did research during the stream. There were four teams last year that had a borderline top five defense and offense. Mm -hmm. uh, the Clippers were one of them. They were uh, first in offense, uh, offensive rating, and 10th in defense. So I don't know how close that is for you, but uh, they made the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. We have Utah second in offense fourth in defense and they lost to the Clippers in the second round, but uh, were the number one seed. And then you have Phoenix sixth in offense, seventh in defense. So right on that kind of verge you were talking about um, and they made the finals and the fourth team is the team that won the championship. Milwaukee seventh in offense, sixth in defense. So the four teams that had a top 10 in both last year, uh, three of them were conference finalists, and the other one lost to one of the conference finalists in the second round. Yeah, yeah. So that's the benchmark of a contender is being able to be top 10 in both. Right now, we're looking like a team that could potentially be top 10 in both. So obviously we need to see it over the rest of the regular season, but it's a pretty good start considering the tough early schedule and some of the growing pains that we were expecting. Uh, mm -hmm. anyway, anything else, uh, that's a, that's a good poll. That's a good stat oh. poll there. Anything else that you want to say about the game before I sign off? No, I apologize to people who are looking forward to us watching the Chauncey interviews. Uh, maybe on nights we don't, uh, have that opportunity. Maybe we'll find a way to have a reaction video or something to that on Twitter or something. But, um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Uh, another fun stream, another fun victory. How nice is it that we didn't have the pattern continue? <laughs> loss, win, loss, win, right? We, yeah. we broke we broke the pattern, and hopefully... Uh, hopefully it's uh, the start of a new pattern. From here on out, like I mentioned, after the Phoenix game and after um, last uh, Wednesday's game, hopefully when we play well, we use that as a stepping stone to play better, not getting complacent and thinking we've arrived at any point. Yeah, agree with that. So the first step of that is having a better road performance than we did in our only road game this year. That's coming up Sunday against the Charlotte Hornets early tip time at 4 p.m. I will have you covered with the postgame show going live at 6.30 p.m. Uh, the audio of the stream will be on Spotify, so if you missed any portion of this two and a half hour stream uh then you can go back and listen to it on spotify on the go and all of that uh with that nothing else left to plug other than eric dropped an article earlier today is that what you yeah. wanted to plug yeah uh so check out uh here let me get the link real quick um so i'm going to do a uh weekly segment called blazers uh roses and rain and uh like Thanks to Chris for the cool uh, picture today. I like that uh, picture too. <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks sweet on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, so I'm just going to kind of have a weekly article, or it might not always be me, but um, weekly article in which we talk about some of the things that are going uh, well for the Blazers or coming up roses and some of the things that are kind of gloomy or rainy for them as well. And I try to get you know, at least three things each week. So look for that article if you care about reading some other Blazer content. Yep. Uh, 
that picture does look sick on the website. You ain't lying. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, other than that, that's a wrap for this post-game show. I appreciate everybody that donated tonight, and I appreciate everybody that made us a part of their Friday night. Post-game streams have been popping to start this season, and uh, we, we appreciate you guys for uh, engaging with us and supporting us and everything that you do for the community. Anyway, that's going to be a wrap for this one. I'll catch you guys on Sunday. Eric will catch you guys on Monday. Until then, have a good Friday night. Have a good sa- Saturday. Until next time, as always, peace out. Go Blazers. <laughs>